Hello, welcome to a very special bonus episode of the Book of Medora. I am Crystal. With me as always is Monica. Hello. And Cameron. Hi. And special guest, Luke. Hello. I will just Luke, be damned. <laughs> Luke, you've been listening to the show lately. Yeah. Yes, that's true. For about the past year, I have I have finally gotten into this show. I was amazed at how intense your uh <laughs> your listening has been. Yeah, uh-huh. And as you were listening to the show, you were basically making notes about about our suppositions and our methods. Well, so yeah, I started listening back in like last October. Um, I was getting kind of hyped about Tears of the Kingdom and wanted, uh, you know, some kind of Zelda fandom engagement. Like, hey, my friends make a Zelda podcast that I've never listened to before. I should finally listen to it. And then every episode I'm like, oh, mm, if only it were five years ago so I could talk to them about this. They, like, have long since moved on from this thing I want to talk to them about. Uh, so what I've done is I've corralled all of you into just getting together so I can uh, write 50,000 words of commentary on this podcast. Yes, there is a 101-page Google document, which will be linked in the episode description. Yes, uh uh-huh. And Um, what is the name of this document, Luke? uh, The name of this document is A Luke to the Past. You're damn sure right it is. (laughs) A critical re-examination of the Book of Medora's methodologies and conclusions. Yeah, this was written extremely linearly, and when I wrote the title first, I think I really imagined it was going to have more of like a pseudo-intellectual vibe to it that gets abandoned, I'd say, about six pages in. That's very similar to the Book of Medora itself. (laughs) (laughs) The the secret, though, is I think everyone here is completely game to talk about everything about Zelda at all times. Yes. Right, right. It's like, oh, if only Um, they hadn't moved on from this five years ago. We never did. So th- no, sure. Then that's that's I, I felt good about that as far as uh, as far as this idea went. I also joked in here that really my main goal here is that now none of your listeners ever need to be like, "Ooh, sorry, this email was long. It's like two paragraphs." Y'all, I wrote them a novel length email. Homie wrote this for <laughs> Nanorimo and won. I wrote a book and sent it to them and made them read and it. This is so not you don't have to spaced. worry. <laughs> No, no. This is a single-spaced hundred-page motherfucker, and I did read the Again, whole thing. I, I appreciate that. I'm just gonna, yeah, fifty-three thousand five hundred and twenty-four words is the final count on this bad boy. It is a very respectable piece of contiguous <laughs> fan work, which I wrote in like two weeks. <laughs> that part's kind of fucked up. Well, so we had talked about it before Tears of the Kingdom came out, um, because I had been listening to the show so much. I Sort of half-joked, ha, what if you had me on the podcast? Uh, And you're like, well, it's kind of our thing, but maybe we can do one episode with you. I'm like, okay, no, that's fair. Which, of course, I then went, well, if I only get one episode, I gotta get all my opinions into one episode. And I thought we were gonna do it before Tears of the Kingdom came out. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, boy, that is very soon. I need to re-listen to the entire show and get all of this together in time. And then eventually, no, we're gonna do Tears first. I'm like, oh. Well, I'm already about 30,000 words into this. I may as well keep going. <laughs> and wh- and this was back in April or May that this was happening. Yes, correct. For, for our listeners, what day is this recording taking place? November 19th uh, of 2023. After 12 episodes of Tears of the Kingdom. And six months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've been uh, waiting like Fry's dog for those Tears of the Kingdom episodes to wrap up. Yes, because God knows if you're lacking one thing, Luke, it's recording and podcast. Uh, this is day two of recording a podcast every day for four days straight for me. Uh-huh. Wow. <laughs> you you truly are that treehouse of horror where Homer is being force-fed donuts in hell. Right, exactly. <laughs> And, but, you know, most of them I don't write 50,000 words in prep That's for. very true. And at the conclusion of this comprehensive critique of the Book of Medora, you also developed your own timeline. Yeah, as I was going through, I was realizing I was starting to get my own idea of what the Zelda timeline should look like. This was not, like, a theory I had before this, but it just sort of accreted over the course of re-listening to y'all talk about it. I'm like, okay, well, if I disagree with some of where you guys went, then how do, what, you know, what's my alternative? And I do have an alternative. I'm, I'm worried that that is the thing that, like, most uh, consigns me to, like, a institution. <laughs> that you came up with an alternative to the Accursed Timeline specifically? That I came up with this alternative to the Accursed Timeline. <laughs> and its name is... The Blessed Timeline, obviously. Obviously. The Blessed Timeline PDF will also be linked in the episode description, or if you prefer to type it in, it's available at bit.ly slash the Blessed Timeline, capital T, tap, capital B, capital T. I'm glad you lived the ethos of the podcast. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Luke, let's begin with a sort of summary of uh of the critique of the book of Medora. Yeah, okay. So I like the turns out there's maybe not a tenable way to get through this entire thing in a single podcast recording. You don't say. Uh so I've just kind of yeah, uh-huh. At one point I imagine maybe and then, you know, a couple tens of thousands of words later I'm like, what was I thinking? That's not going to happen. Um so I've just sort of uh collected some bullet points of some of the the broader arguments and and people are welcome to go in and and read some of the more detailed things on their own or I'm sure we'll get into them as we we talk here. Um I just sort of went game by game here. Um so starting from the beginning with uh Zelda and Zelda 2, obviously don't have a ton for those cuz there's not the most story in those NES games. Uh, the main thing I have for this is that I think if you take those two games on their own, they're very clearly supposed to be set on the planet Earth. Ken, why do you say that? This gives me pause. Well, you all have talked about the, the Christianity at length. That's a big part of it. That's a religion here on Earth. Uh, then the other big thing I have, let me find it. Uh, so the manual of The Legend of Zelda opens by saying... The world was in an age of chaos. That same block of text ends referring to the player saying, uh, can Link really destroy Ganon and save Princess Zelda? Only your skill can answer that question. It's not presented as like, can you step in? Like, can this thing in this other world happen? It's, you know, can you make the thing in this world happen the, the I'm explaining this much more poorly than I did when I could write it down, uh, but the style of the writing implies that it is talking about the same world that the player inhabits. So, so in effect... And also... Do you mean that we uh, are Link yeah, go ahead. directly? No, I don't mean that we're Link directly. I just mean that the frame... Like, it is framing the story as something that happened here a long time ago. Okay. It is... 
literally saying once upon a time in some far off kingdom, not in the fantasy realm of Middle Earth or or whatever, you know. And uh, notably, not that this is like a silver bullet by itself, but Shigeru Miyamoto agrees with this vision of Zelda. In his opinion, it is all set on the planet Earth. Known um, Shigeru Miyamoto, Stan, Luke, Speed Racer, Varner. <laughs> Right. Yeah, huh? I mean, when he agrees with me, <laughs> you know. The funny thing is Middle Earth is Earth. Yeah, it is actually a yeah. creation myth for Earth. <laughs> but but okay. Well, that's that's what I get for referring to a book series I read once in high school. <laughs> I feel that's like okay, this Mom. was actually quite common in the 20th century for a fantasy setting to actually be Earth either in the far future or the far past. Sure, yeah. Yeah, not a So this isn't that out there. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do have questions. Yeah. Um, for one, when do you think The Legend of Zelda, the Hyrule fantasy, takes place? So that's definitely difficult to place. Obviously, the imagery of it, I would say, is evoking, like, Middle Ages Europe, and that can be kind of a broad time frame. I would place it, let's say, between maybe 500 and 1200 AD-ish, somewhere in that range. Okay, so quite modern on the scale of things. Yeah, I would say so. Like I said, I definitely think it is meant to be evoking, like, medieval fantasy. Okay, okay. This is a lot to take in. It's a big one. It's it's one of the bigger claims that I'm making yeah, it, here. it is quite a large claim. Yeah. And the thought... I mean... This is a oh, ahead, Euro-ish setting, as opposed to, like, right. a Japanese setting. I think those first games are pretty indisputably a Euro-inspired setting. Obviously through, like, a Japanese lens, mm-hmm. but that is pretty clearly to me what they're playing with. Um, I mean, again, a big part of my argument would be the shortest walk for accounting for the Christian iconography is just, well, yeah, if it's set on Earth, that's not strange. Yeah, it it has to be after uh, the iconography of the crucifix has spread across wherever this geography is. Right. And And obviously that's not making any claims about the faith of any of the characters, except for Link to the Past Link, who I think is probably Catholic because he crosses his heart to open up the desert palace. He does do that. That does happen. But other than that, you know, like the Link of uh, Legend of Zelda might have just found a shield with a cross on it. That is not necessarily representative of his own faith. And if we make this claim, that means we also have to make a claim that the ancient cistern of Skyward Sword was built sometime after the development of Buddhism. Well, we'll get to it. Okay. <laughs> well, let's move on to A Link to the Past. We will indeed get to so- it. Yeah, let me uh, run through. There it is. So, Link to the Past, I don't have very much uh, going on here. Um, The only thing I really threw out is that when I was thinking about the way that Link to the Past links up to Zelda 2, I'm wondering if Link getting the Triforce at the end of the Link to the Past is supposed to be, or maybe not supposed to be, but can be read to be implying that he is the king in the backstory of Zelda 2. The, like, benevolent king that used the Triforce to rule Hyrule justly, and then had a real shit fail son of a kid that ruined everything. That's really sad. That, that is quite sad. Yeah! Um, it, I mean, Zelda gets sad a lot. That's true. <laughs> it does get sad a lot. So what, why why this, why this Link in particular? Um, I believe the main justification of it to me is that, like, and this is, to be sure, more of a vibes thing than a hard evidence thing, but... In my mind, if someone's going to get the Triforce, it makes sense that that is a big enough event that, you know, it can happen off screen. But to me, it handshakes well if, like, Link gets it and then 
is the guy who has it in the like one of the two other games that existed at that point, especially thinking about it as a work of fiction that was written when this was very like um, you know, new as a series. There's two guys who own the Triforce in the story of Zelda, other than at the very end of Zelda 2. I guess three guys total. Um, I guess four counting Ganon. The number's just going up. But, uh, point being, it makes a certain sense to me to consolidate that king with Link. Just because, I, again, I guess that's more of a vibes thing than a, than a hard evidence thing. This does yeah, put it in line with the backstory of Adventure of Link. Mm. Right. In which the person with the Triforce, the guy with the Triforce, becomes the king. Yeah. And uh, I think it also buys you something really important, which is that that would mean that the Link and Zelda of Link to the Past marry, become the king and queen, and have a daughter named Zelda II. And that's why the second Zelda game uses Roman numerals when no other game does. It's not the number of the sequel. It's the title of the character that's asleep in that game. Okay. Cameron is making a very funny face. <laughs> it's okay. It's like he's staring into the sun. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a lot to take in. Right, right. Um, it's, the, it's the second Zelda game. Zelda the second, the adventure of Link. So similar to how the Greek golden age, people think of it as lasting for like generations, maybe like right. a century or yeah. two. But the actual Greek golden age lasted for all of 33 years during... Yeah. I mean, I guess... To be fair, I think things are going pretty okay in Link to the Past until Aghanim shows right, up. Right, but the actual golden age where right, th- th- right. that is described in the backstory of Adventure of Link uh, yeah. lasts... I guess that would last about a generation. Last for the yeah. lifetime of this one man yeah, who doesn't yeah. just go, Zelda, you should have the Triforce. Right. Zelda yeah, the Jr., take the Triforce. Greek, the Age of Heroes in Greek myth, which is like everything from Theseus to the Trojan War when all the heroes die, was only three generations. Yeah. Yeah. They, mm, it, that, yeah. Okay. I, mm, I, I got nothing. I got, I got nothing. It's all vibes <laughs> at this point. Let's keep we just going. say that aligns it's, to it, yeah. Greek conventions. That, that does line up with historical golden ages, I guess, as much as I don't like to admit this. Yeah, this is much less, uh, hey, here's a thing I'm right about or here's a thing y'all are wrong about. It's more... Here's the thing that's going to help me visualize my own timeline and how these games fit together. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Steph doesn't start... Well, yeah, I guess we've got Link of the w- Link's Awakening to get through first. Um, first of all, I just want to say Link's Awakening, pretty good fucking video game. Agreed. Pretty good video game. I enjoy to play it and to uh, look at it and to listen to it. You replayed this before uh, Tears of the Kingdom? Yeah, yeah, I I got on a real Zelda kick. Uh, I played through this, uh, Skyward Sword, um, most of Twilight Princess, but the back end of that game goes on a lot longer than I remembered, and I ran out of time. Um, I did, like, 70% of a Breath of the Wild playthrough. Played a lot of Zelda in the past year. The, the thing that... Which, which version of Link's Awakening did you play? Uh, the Switch version. It's got a damn nice soundtrack arrangement, don't it? It really does, yeah. And it looks gorgeous, yeah. That face shrine theme alone, good lord. Yep, yep. Were you shocked at the ending? Uh, I knew the ending. Um, Like, you know, that's, that's something that kind of everyone always talks about. So I kind of knew what it was already. But definitely, like, it, it's got an emotional punch to it uh, if, when you're playing it for the first time, which I only did when the Switch remake first came out. I, I think that Monica may be referring specifically to the... 
uh, Marin, it's a bit different. Marin yeah. in the sky, uh, the anime style. Oh, 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 Remembering oh, oh. Marin, she's definitely dead. So I'm not great at 2D Zelda, so I definitely didn't earn that on my own. I'm like, well, time to go to YouTube, see how they handle that. Oh, cool. That's, the, wow. They Yeah, they put some production value into it. Neat. Wait, what? It's, it's, are there multiple endings in the Switch version? Well, yeah, if you get zero deaths, you get the picture of Marin in the sky. I think it's the same... Oh, yeah, sorry. It, you don't get the picture of Marin in the sky. If but you die. But it is changed from the right. Game Boy version. In that, which that picture of Marin flung. is actually in the Game Boy version. She's just not a little angel in it. She, she. Oh, okay. She is actually... I looked this up sometime after we did that recording. But okay, she, but that, there's no flying around on a wings. Not not in the Switch version. Yeah, there's no, the, the angel Marin doesn't fly past the, the end screen. Because, uh, yeah, the, the Switch version doesn't really have a the end screen like that, right? It's just a lot more explicit... Uh, to us that Marin is dead in the Switch version. We consigned her to the oblivion she was seeking. I, see, I don't really buy that anyone capital D dies in that game. My, like, idea of it is more that, like, we get to know Marin and understand her, and that is why, like, she is the one that we uh, see fly away as, you know, a seagull. But the Windfish is the god of the air and the sea. I think all of the people and monsters on Koholan are supposed to be, like, spirits that he's giving birth to. And he's basically just in some, like, rough, protracted labor that you're helping him through. Labor as in birth. Yeah, as in birth labor. So you're That's why he's a big egg that you have to make hatch to wake him up. So you're saying no one dies. I think the people that they are die but their like internal spirit lives on in the form of like birds and fish okay i'm into that like in the form of the cloud of seagulls that flies off with the wind fish right exactly those are like that the two of those seagulls are those kids playing ball yeah. you know okay okay it's it's all it's all cogent they're okay Every- yeah. and like the nightmares are scared of like entering the next stage of their existence which is why they don't want koholent to go away but it's less like, don't kill us, and more like, don't make us change. But see, it's ironic, because by trying to not make anything change, they're the ones changing things. I like that partway... Because nothing can ever stay the same forever. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. I like that partway <laughs> through the longer version of the Link's Awakening Musings, you go, wait, is this is this an abortion story? <laughs> right, because what? it is very much like, the, the core moral quandary of the game is like, well, does the windfish have a right to wake up even though it'll kill everybody? Or do all the people of Colon have a right to life? Oh my goodness. Monica, we have definitely Which talked I was, about this. Have we talked about this? I, I was listening to the Link's Awakening episode and Cameron has a point where he is like, gets three words into asking if that's what the game is about and then just stops and changes the subject. I remember having this conversation, but I don't remember if it was on mic. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if y'all edited it out of the episode or just headed off mic, but yeah. And I wasn't there because Link's Awakening was before I joined. Right, so yeah. That makes right, a lot of right. sense. Okay. Who oh boy. Yeah, I don't know what to do with that. It's just sort of there. What a uh, pro-choice story. <laughs> right? Yeah. Now, Ocarina of Time is where things start getting funky. Ocarina of Time is where things start getting a little funky. Um, because now we're in 3D Zelda. And you can look up in 3D Zelda games, and they have day-night cycles for the most part. And that means you can see the stars. And a listener already sent in an email about this, and when y'all were reading that, I was like, son of a bitch! That's okay. Um, I, 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 I gotta say, I did not expect yeah. anybody to take the taboo of geography 
and to do a mm. three times more specific version of it. I'm not, I think you'll find I've barely ever referenced geography in all of this document. I'm talking astronomy. Uh, That's totally different. Uh, uh, sure, but the taboo, like, it, fe- <laughs> it feels of a kind. Right. When I got to Ocarina, it hit me that if I'm alleging that the, fir- the 2D Zelda games are all set on Earth... I mean, Earth does have a very specific night sky, so I better check it against uh, the night sky in Ocarina. Um, I I got into really deep in the weeds on it in Ocarina because there's, like, the skyboxes in the remake and the N64 version aren't the same, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. The short version is that, with the exception of the N64 Ocarina, every 3D Zelda game before Breath of the Wild has, uh, they all have different skyboxes at night, but they all have exactly three constellations, uh, that we can see from Earth, which are, uh, Cassiopeia, uh, the Big Dipper, and Orion. And my argument is that having exactly three constellations from Earth, and no more, suggests that the world of the 3D Zelda games is inherently artificial created by somebody who is uh, privy to the planet Earth's night sky. They're diegetically. And granted, yes, right. Well, diegetically constructed worlds. You could definitely take the tack, diegetically video games. There's there's plenty of evidence there, but I think once you take that direction, any kind of lore questions just kind of become meaningless because, well, it doesn't have to make sense. It's it's diegetically a video game. Maybe with that attitude. Sure, but I mean, like, if we're saying the games are Nintendo games that know they're Nintendo games, then, you know, a- any inconsistency can just be shrugged off with that explanation. I'm only going as far as to say somebody in the world, in the universe of this game, created the universe of the 3D Zeldas. Okay. Uh, which is to say that there are, at this point at least, uh, as of Ocarina, a minimum of two different settings for this series. Okay. When mm-hmm. when you say settings, right? Can can you can you expand I, on that a little? Just like yeah, sure, right. Well, again, I'm saying that uh, Zelda, Zelda Two, and um, Link's Awakening, and then also implicitly the Oracle games, and uh, uh, no, yeah, just the Oracle games are all set on a fictionalized version of the planet Earth. But because of the night sky situation. Ocarina, Twilight Princess, Skyward Sword, etc. cannot be set on a fictionalized version of Earth, but are set in what seems to be some sort of constructed universe modeled after the planet Earth. Could it be, though, we don't see the sky in the 2D games. Right, yes. That is the linchpin of this whole theory. (laughs) So, you know, with the, the argument that in the 3D games... It was made with the knowledge of Earth because we have these Earth right. constellations. Right. But let's say bringing in the knowledge of Earth history and religion, yeah, it's yeah. also possible that the, the sky does look like that above Zelda 1. Uh, it is 100% possible, mm. and that's why I was very relieved to find out there is not a single night sky sequence in any 2D no. Zelda, because that would really sink this whole thing. <laughs> There's not, like, a, a one-time where you gotta, like, look through a telescope or something. There could have been, but there's not. Uh, so we, the night sky of those games is simply unknowable, which leaves an, a margin for me to scribble this deranged theory into. Yes. Okay. Um, 
that's yeah that's the big one from ocarina of time i've got well, what else we got here um we don't gotta dwell on it or anything i i feel like it's just worth saying out loud boy ganondorf's kind of racist in ocarina huh kind of kind of not a great portrayal of a middle eastern coded character as like a scary green man that brings the nation of like f like devout white europeans to their knees because they trusted him that's not ideal it's not good all of the grudo in general in every incarnation. Yeah, yeah. Like, Ganondorf is the only dark-skinned guy they consider a big enough deal to put in Smash Brothers, and that's what his deal is. Uh, yeah. It's not good. Not, not good. As a guy for whom Ganondorf is his um, favorite Nintendo character, I still feel fairly right. uh, confident that that's the case. Um, yeah, there's a lot of deeply orientalist views towards the middle east and north africa baked into his character design this a thousand and one arabian nights ass version of real people that they've pseudo baked into this and i guess like right. their thinking is that the portrayal of the kingdom of hyrule is similarly um based on fairy tales in the same way so maybe yeah. that's their idea behind it but boy it sure doesn't read that way to a global audience does it yeah, especially in, like, the original release of Ocarina, which has, like, explicit Muslim imagery. Yeah. It's wild to me that they were like, okay, we've got the famous uh, monster Ganon, who's a big pig man. I know, let's make him a Muslim. Guys, what are you fucking doing? That did happen. They, they did do that. Yikes. Anyway, not a timeline thing. I just felt like, you know, I, I think that's kind of gone implied throughout this, and I just wanted to say it out loud. Yeah, fair. Um... Hitting the next point here, uh, okay, so the Deku Tree's creation myth, um, talks about how Din creates, like, the raw, like, material of the universe, Nehru creates the laws of the universe, and, uh, Furor creates, like, living beings to enforce those laws. I always thought that was such a cool idea as a kid, that, like, the natural laws of reality have to be enforced the same way that, like, you know... A nation's laws have to be enforced. Um, and I like the idea that that implies this sort of, like, idealistic in, like, the, like, philosophical sense version of, like, metaphysics for Zelda. Where, like, there's a degree to which willpower and, uh, you know, heart can sort of affect reality. Um, the, uh, a big thing that stood out to me going through this stuff is that, Cameron, you tend to use the words, the engine of creation the Triforce, which I, I get, uh, especially with, like, Link Between Worlds. I think that really does solidify that reading of it. But it's not the way I've ever read it. I always took it much more as, like, the Triforce is a piece of, like, the power of the gods that they have left behind on purpose so that occasionally, like, a worthy mortal can claim it and, like, participate in the creation of the universe, you know, alter it as they see fit. Um, and I don't know. That's just sort of a, a, a conflicting reading that... I thought was worth noting. And in your view, the Triforce was designed by the gods to be uh, amoral? I mean, that's what Link to the Past says in its manual, mm -hmm. right? That the Triforce can't judge between good and evil. And I think that they probably had the idea in mind that, well, only only a really cool, good person could get it. But that's not how it's panned out in real reality. You know what I mean? So it's an, an oversight. I think it's, yeah, I think it's less like it's explicitly supposed to be amoral and more they probably should have designed better security on the supercomputer what a mischievous thing to leave lying around the power of gold mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Yeah. No, that's a quote from Link to the Past. No, I know, okay. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably probably should have got a, you know, padlock at least. I think they did. <laughs> I guess they did, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they kind of <laughs> was just that good. The yeah. demon thief opened yeah. the padlock. That's why he's my that's favorite. Probably, I've watched a lot of uh watched a lot of lockpicking lawyer. There's no padlock you can buy that's going to keep someone out for good if they really want in. That's why he's your favorite Ganon crystal. Yeah, because he won. He did it. He entered the sacred realm and got the Triforce. But yeah, they yeah. but they closed the vault door behind it and spun it a million times so he can't get out. But he has a whole world, a dark world to rule over. Do you think he's happy with it? He's definitely not. That's how come a Ganon happens. Yeah. They didn't do a good enough job keeping him in. And uh, as we'll see as I develop my timeline theory, he's still fucking shit up in Tears of the Kingdom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, a big thing for me with regard to the Deku Tree creation myth is that after... You know, while y'all are talking about it, Cameron, you sort of say, well, the Deku Tree wasn't there, so we can't really take it at face value. And I think, I can't, I'm not saying the Deku Tree was there, but I am saying that that is maybe not paying sufficient attention to, like, the genre and framing of the narrative. And that if you take it as, like, forensic evidence, which I get doing for this project, but if you do that, I think you're inherently changing the story that you're reading in a way that doesn't really sit well with me. Like, the story is presented as though this is, if not hard fact, is like, we're meant to take that story as true. So if a person of uh, suitable credibility tells you a story, it it is true. I think in a story called The Legend of Zelda, a character that's shown only to be benevolent and wise telling a legend, yeah, I, I think we're directed by the narrative to accept that as fact interesting so in the legend of zelda the strongest form of argument calls upon ethos the the expertise of the speaker so to an extent i i'm yeah i'm even less talking the expertise of the speaker in fiction more just like i'm talking more from analyzing it as a piece of literature and what the writers of the work are intending for us to do with it and obviously hey death of the author we can deviate from that but when their intent is woven into the narrative as i think it is in this case i don't think you can throw it away so easily okay i'm assuming this comes up again in the twilight princess episode uh it does yeah okay. because obviously Lanayru's legend is maybe the biggest uh point of contradiction because it differs from midna's stuff. legend I mean, okay, we can we can get to that. I I don't really agree that it does. Okay, and I think we'll there's also it. a version of it as told by the sages, but it's been a long time. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Sorry, ignore me. Yeah. Ignore me. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. Listen, we're, this is what we're doing. We're in it. Um, what else I have for Ocarina? Uh, this is the first time that y'all start to float the idea that like the dungeons in Zelda games kind of only exist to be dungeons. That like. Sometime way before Ocarina, somebody built the Forest Temple because one day the hero at times gonna need to train to beat Ganondorf and earn the Forest Medallion. And, like, I don't have an argument against that other than I dislike the concept. I am way more into the idea that, no, these are just, like, abandoned temples that people prayed at and used as temples that have been sort of corrupted and turned into enemy strongholds that you're invading. I just think that makes... I think turning them into basically training grounds for Link kind of robs a little bit of mystery and ambiguity out of the setting. That, that makes sense, especially for something like Ocarina of Time, where the peoples are known to use these temples as places of worship. Yeah, and obviously there's times when, like, 
overtly and like explicitly that is what that structure exists for like that's what the tower of the gods is that's what the shrines are in tears of the kingdom and breath of the wild i'm sure there's other examples i'm not i mean that's that is kind of what most of the dungeons are if not all of them in skyward sword but i don't love the concept even when it is explicit and i don't i'm not into reading it happening more than is already made explicit but we agree that the Shadow Temple is literally, diegetically, a dungeon. Yeah, yes, they tortured people in okay. there. The Sheikh are no good. <laughs> Very bad. That did happen. Uh-huh, yeah. The, boy, I remember being, like, ten and playing Ocarina for the first time, and, like, unlocking the Shadow Temple at, like, 9, 10 p.m. at night, and being like, okay, cool, let me, let me do this new Zelda dungeon. It's dark outside, it's late, it's kind of my bedtime, but I'm playing Zelda, I don't care. And then I take, like, one step into the Shadow Temple and see, like, the art style and hear the music, and I just turn the N64 off. This can wait till it's light outside. Oh, no. I don't need to play this in the dark. Too spooky. It takes a lot of courage, let's just say. Ten is the, per- <laughs> Ten is the perfect age to get your shit scared by a Zelda game. Yeah, yeah. That's the perfect age to, like, be really, really upset when you, like, see Jabu Jabu's belly undulating when you hit it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, hit the walls. Yeah. Um, Only other thing I've got for Ocarina is (laughs) touching on the downfall timeline real quickly. Downfall timeline's silly. It's clearly them scrambling for some kind of explanation. As far as silly explanations go, though, I do kind of like it. Like, I like the idea that everybody can sort of get together and with enough, like, base, you know, enough solidarity and enough, like, uh, you know, courage diffused throughout the populace, they can all defeat Ganon together, even if it is, like, a much longer, bloodier war than it would be if they had the Hero of Time with them. Uh, even if Ganon has the whole Triforce, I like the idea. Because, again, like, Furore created living beings to enforce the laws of the universe. And to me, like, yeah, in the Downfall timeline, that's what the people of Hyrule do by beating Ganon. Do you, uh, do you use the Downfall timeline in the timeline document itself? Uh, I do not. I, I don't use it at all i just felt like i i agree that we should dispose of it i just disagreed with some of the reasoning behind it that you use crystal what do you think of the idea of uh, what do you think of this uh, objection to our dismissal of the downfall timeline link doesn't really meet other warriors in any of these games i've been trying to think if he meets one other than you know the hero shade who is link I'd say Darunia counts as a warrior. Okay, that's a good point. Impa. Yeah. They're yeah, fucking the, the, dead. the sages. <laughs> well, true. I think distinctly, Nintendo makes it a point to not have any humanish looking guy of youthful age right. that is as cool as Link. Yeah. But also, we know that Ganondorf, it's not like Ganondorf is extinguishing all life immediately. Like, at, generations could pass under his tyranny, and like, another, like, set of heroes could rise up after the time of ocarina you know but i mean going with your point about this being a legend so we kind of have to work within those genre constraints right this is a heroic fantasy about a hero who saves the world it's not really a story of like armies facing armies even in tears of the kingdom when there's like a hylian militia they're kind of a a joke you know no i think that is a very fair point to make. Um, although, something else I'll add. I think the main problem with the Downfall timeline doesn't go far enough. If you if you suppose one Downfall timeline, you must suppose a Downfall timeline for every game. 
Because you can die in all them games. That's right. Yep. One must suppose. Right. So there really needs to be, like, two X timelines where X equals the number of Zelda games. And uh, Nintendo, you know, fix your shit. <laughs> yeah, Reggie, come on. Sorry. Come yeah. on, Doug. <laughs> yeah. No, no, we gotta pull Reggie out of retirement for this one. <laughs> um... But yeah, that's all I've got for Ocarina. I don't have a ton for Majora's Mask because it doesn't have a ton of like timeline implications, even though it is my favorite Zelda game. God, it's so good. Before we leave Majora's Mask, though, the night sky yeah. is also present in Majora's yes. Mask. Yes, uh, I was going to bring that up. So it does have the same three constellations. And also a cool thing I learned while researching skyboxes in Zelda is that other than the constellations, all the other stars are randomly generated based on the name of your save file. That's yes. cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I don't... That's a really neat touch that, like, they didn't need to do that. No one has ever... Like, no one figured that out until, like, decades after the game came out. But what a neat little touch. Does that mean that each of them takes place in a different world? Oh, boy. Ooh. I mean... Uh, so, the... Yeah, Coming fresh off your downfall timeline uh, critique that it doesn't go right. far enough. Right. You could take it that way. I think the way I landed on interpreting it is that uh, whatever your name is, you are the destined hero of Termina, and your name was encoded into the stars to foretell of your coming. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I could gush about Majora's Mask forever, but we have so much to get through, I'm just going to skip over it. <laughs> um, the only... Uh, what else do I have here? Oh, right. I was going to bring up... So, Tears of the Kingdom... Uh, suggests that, like, well, it doesn't suggest, it outright says, the Master Sword's main power, basically, is that it can, it has the capacity to house kind of infinite divine energy, that if you can sort of channel sacred light into it, it can just house it forever. And so that's, like, how Zelda powers it up, right? Spending a bajillion years just infusing it with light dragon energy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That, that kind of sounds like the opposite of how you all read Majora's Mask, as being, like, an empty vessel that houses... Like darkness and malice, not not capital like norm like little m malice. No, I th I think you've got a no. I, regardless of the kind of malice that you talk about, I think I think that does work, and it's an interesting parallel to draw. Right, like is Majora's Mask the Terminian counterpart to the Master Sword? So it's demonic or profane, where the Master Sword is sacred. Right. Uh, I think I think that's a perfectly cogent reading. What do you make of it, Crystal? Yeah, that makes sense to me in the sense that they're both vessels. But is there, like, a deeper relationship than that? Not really. No. Okay. <laughs> um, I asked, is the Happy Mask Salesman a servant of or a collaborator with Hylia? Uh, this isn't a huge thing. Um, but, you know, in trying to puzzle out what happens in that game, like, why is why are the events of that game happening? How did Majora's Mask break out, etc.? The reading I had is that Termina was, uh, like a doomed land because of shit with Majora's Mask going way back. And the Happy Mask Salesman, clearly some kind of spirit or deity or something, came there and opened up the stone tower to get the mask so that Skull Kid could seal it and kick off the events that would end the world. And then also gives Link the Song of Healing and kind of lets those two forces play off of one another to determine the fate of uh, Termina. Like, I'm gonna, I'm going to fulfill the prophecy of Ruin or the curse that's been on this land for this whole time. But I am also going to give you an out. If this if this plucky little boy can solve your problems, then hey, maybe maybe it's not too late for you. That is definitely an interesting read of that character. And it's doubly interesting 
in light of your later expressed views about Hylia. That is true. I wasn't really thinking about that when talking about this part. I Spoilers, I don't care for Hylia that there's much. One, we'll get there's to one it. part of this that I want to interrogate, and it's taken from the yeah. longer version of the Majora's Mask section. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You say that Hylia is most likely the goddess of time. Sure. Now, obviously, we as a collective, or at least I, me and Crystal, and I think Monica also agrees with this, came to the same conclusion back in the Majora's Mask episode. Right. But does that need to be the case? I don't think it needs to be the case. Um, I think it is the shortest line between two points, but, you know, yeah, there's there's room to speculate. Um, you know, I, th- at the time when this game came out, I think the popular theory was that Nehru was the goddess of time being referenced here. That could be that. It could be a Terminian god. You know, we don't well, know. Well, it's mentioned by Zelda from Hyrule, so it has to be the Hyrulean god of time. That's true. She, I forgot she mentions that when she in the flashback. But as be, right. as best we know, um, there was worship of the three golden gods in Ocarina of Time, but not actual worship of Hylia during that era. Right. Right. So that is very true. I mean, it doesn't have. To, I've been thinking more and more, and reading this document that you've put together as part of what yeah. got me set down this path is rethinking the role that Hylia plays in the rest of the series, because obviously none of it was written with her in mind. Right, yes. Yeah, she's a very late addition to the, the mythos. Yeah. It, well, and you can you can project her into it pretty easily, but, you know. We'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. Uh, Oracle of Seasons and Oracle of Ages. So this one's just... This is not really a theory per... I guess it's a theory. It is the linchpin of half everyone... your fucking timeline, homeboy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what it turns into. But I'm saying taking this game by itself... Just own it with your whole chest. <laughs> no, I, I am. That's that's what I'm getting to. This is not so much like, oh, here's a, here's an interesting interpretation I had. So much as, oh, I thought we all agreed this is just what's canonically happening in Oracle. What do you mean? No. I always thought when I was a kid playing these games, when you go at the like in the opening and the Triforce talks to you and is like, Link, go on a new adventure now. And then it does like the little dark world warp effect on you. I thought everyone understood that obviously the Triforce is warping you inside of itself, and that Holodrum and Labrina are the Triforces of power and courage res- or uh, wisdom, respectively. And uh, when y'all were talking about it and didn't bring that up, I was like, "What? Why aren't they mentioning that? That's like the main. That's what those games are about." Hold on, let me double check the manual. Oh, okay, why isn't it in the manual? It must be in the intro. It's not in the intro. Did I make this up? I think I made this up. <laughs> God, what is that effect called? I don't know. There is something for Mandela it. Mandela effect? <laughs> I guess sort of. Something like that. I think if, it's not quite the Berenstain effect. It's... Right, oh, right. shit. It's like uh, Kazam and Shazam. Right, totally. Yeah, I mean, these are all similar ideas. Um, I do this a lot with stories where, like, I will read something, infer an implication, and, like, make that inference so quickly that... I don't recognize that it's an inference and not, like, just an explicitly stated thing. Yeah, I don't blame you. I did the same thing with 1984 when I was a teenager. Uh, what was your thing with 1984? It read to me as if it was a historical document in a post-fascist society. Oh, interesting. Huh. That would be a good way for that book to be, but I don't think it's true. Yeah, well. <laughs> but, yeah. Similarly, I think this is a good way for Oracle of Ages and Seasons to be. I'll because... See I'm pretty into yeah, this ahead. theory. Yeah, I thought I might be able to get you on board with this one, Crystal. Um, 
I kind of like wrote out all of my points about that being how I had read it, and then like, well, but I guess I made it up, so never mind. And then I listened back to y'all's Oracle episodes. I was like, wait a second. These games don't make any fucking sense, but if you apply my interpretation, all of the discrepancies go away. It, uh, I can't believe yeah, you have the audacity to take that Oracle <laughs> section and condense it to one bullet point in the abstract. <laughs> well, because I really only made the one point that I just hammered on over and over again. Well, yeah, I guess that's true, <laughs> but still. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can read some of these bullet points out real quick here. Uh, some of the shorter ones. Crystal complains that it makes no sense that the people could work forever just because the sun never goes down and ages. That kind of, quote, child fairy tale logic would make perfect sense in an imaginary Triforce space. Cameron points out it doesn't make sense for Lord Jabu Jabu to be in Labrina, but mm, it sure does if this is imaginary Triforce space. Wonder why all the time travel in ages doesn't cause a fort timeline like it does in Ocarina and Skyward Sword. <laughs> Maybe it's an imaginary Triforce space. The, the hell of this is, I know the more you say it, the more this pilled Crystal becomes. <laughs> it, it just works, you know? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, this also explains, obviously, you know, which order the Oracle games go in is sort of unknowable. And under this theory, ah, both the Oracle games and their linked versions all happen simultaneously. It's imaginary Triforce time, baby. Uh, it also explains something that y'all missed, which is a very tiny detail that's easy to miss. In uh, If you're playing the... Ages linked timeline when you meet or link game when you meet Zelda, she's like, "Who are you, Link? Oh, good to meet you. Whatever." If you play the Oracles or the uh, Seasons linked game, you save Zelda from some moblins, and she goes, "Oh, Link, thank goodness, I came here to give you this ring." She knows you already in in Seasons and doesn't know you yet in Ages. Yeah, yeah, I I, I was actually really surprised you didn't include that in the abstract. Because it's important. Yeah, I probably should have. Yeah, that is a really big deal that, uh, yeah, kind of, you know, again, it's one tiny line of dialogue. It's easy to miss. I mean, it it was our justification um, for not making the Oracle games the direct sequels to Link to the Past. Right, right. That's why you made it so that they can't be. But she does know him in one version of the games. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. And I don't know how you resolve that contradiction, unless, of course, it's an imaginary Triforce space that the Triforce constructs for Link to explore. I, I, uh, my justification being that this is post-Link to the Past, and although Ganon has been defeated, there is some remnant, some residue that he left behind corrupting the perfect essence of the Triforce, and the Triforce needs its homie Link to go in there and, and clean yeah, it out. Yeah, kind of... This version of the explanation, the abstract, is kind of leaving off the idea of Ganon as this universal corrupting force, since we've brought up right. Lord of the Rings multiple times, sort of like Melkor yeah. or Sauron in Middle-earth. Yeah, I was going to get into this more deeply once we started talking my timeline, but one of the, the cornerstones of my timeline is the idea that Ganon gets the Triforce in Link to the Past. He wishes to control the world, uh, or, you know, conquer the world, whatever. Um, Link uses the Master Sword to kill him and wish for everything to be good again. But the Master Sword is kind of cheating. And the Triforce might have some part of it wanted to still grant its first Master's wish that it never fully got to grant because the Dark World got sealed. So what if it held on to a tiny little spark of Ganon inside the Triforce... And that is where, like, most evil in the setting derives from going forward. That the Triforce itself has been corrupted this entire time. The Triforce 
working for Ganon? I don't believe this as an idea that we can put forth to the people. It, it's it has to grant the wishes asked on it. And it, it never fully granted its first Monica's wish. Monica's staring at me in a way that suggests she doesn't realize I was being ironic. <laughs> I was I was I was pretty sure, but I wasn't one hundred percent, which is why yeah, I, I guess I, I guess that delivery was point. weirdly dry. <laughs> um and so another <laughs> What you were alluding to, the most bug nuts part of this, I think, probably, is when I was putting the timeline together, <laughs> what I landed on was, well, but okay, you know, Oracle games happen, Link purifies the Triforce, so uh, what happens? Well, but hold on now. Oh, Jesus. If, you, <laughs> if each Oracle game is one-third of the Triforce, they canceled that third game, didn't they? They sure did. He never actually goes into the Triforce of Courage. Sure doesn't. So... In Link's own part of the Triforce, Ganon was hiding. The Ganon you fight at the end of the Oracle games, that's a thats a puppet Ganon used to make Link feel like he finished his task. Monica's thinking very hard about this. <laughs> so, so, if I'm following correctly, Link would only yes. finish his Triforce quest by entering and defeating this unknown assignment in the Triforce of Courage. Right, exactly. That would assumedly involve the Oracle Faror? Yeah, yeah. Whatever that third cancelled game would have been. Capcom really screwed us. Really, really doomed Hyrule by not putting that third game All right. out. That's true. We should have had to spend $120 to finish this game. And... Well, you know, I guess when you think it, we wouldn't have any Zelda games to play if they put the third Oracle game out. I, the, all the designers go, well, setting over. Right. They would have, well, we were developing Wind Waker, but I guess we can't make it anymore. So we gotta cancel that third game, Shigeru. So is Furor in the two Oracle games that we have? Is she a false plant? Yeah. Ooh, I hadn't considered that. Maybe. Uh, yeah, that's possible. I think I took it more. She is the real uh, uh, Furor, the real Oracle of of the Triforce of Courage, or whatever. Like the the spark of the goddess Furor that is kind of reflecting her in the Triforce, but, like, uh, obviously, I'm having to speculate a lot because I'm incorporating a cancelled game into this timeline, but, uh, I think the way I took it is the plan was Link would go into each piece of the Triforce, defeat the, like, remnants of Ganon that were manifesting as, like, Onox and Baron and whatever third villain, and then everything would be good. But once he does two of them, either the remnant of Ganon enacts a plan to defend itself, or the Triforce, which is in conflict with itself, uh, even though it brought him here to do this, stops it by throwing this this false Ganon at him and short-circuits the process. And, you know, maybe if you gotten to talk to Furore after that main ending, she'd be like, dude, no, come back! But it's too late. Hmm. Very interesting. Uh, yeah, just something to chew on, I guess. <laughs> um... Moving onward here, uh, four swords. I have nothing. Y'all didn't have much, and I have even less. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's they don't give us a lot of material in that one. Yeah, not not a lot to work off of in four swords. Um, Wind Waker. Uh, just throwing it out again. Good fucking game. Love Wind Waker. It's so good. This is the last Zelda that I am like fully like in the pocket for. Um, I like every Zelda still pretty much. I don't really love any Zeldas after It is Wind Waker, tragic though. that you got left behind harder than the ride-or-die Twilight Princess kitties. <laughs> yeah, no, even Twilight Princess, I was kind of like, mm, you guys are losing it. You, you're, you're, you're fading. 
kind of kind of not making it happen anymore the way you used to. I don't know you got, I don't know you got the fastball you used to have. I um, I, yeah, I feel like I it's really interesting that the ones that you truly love came out before you were 15. That's true and that's like when I was thinking about it I'm like, well, could it possibly be because I was a child when those ones came out and that's why I love them so much? I would no, no. I think it's probably the world that's wrong and not me. I would never go so far <laughs> as to suggest that you love them more because you experienced them earlier. It's just that right. it's interesting that the best ones came out in the first half of your life. Right. Yeah. Been a long time since I have truly and fully been in love with a Zelda game. What's our relative ages here? I uh, I just turned thirty three years old this very week. And Crystal is thirty. I'm thirty five, and Monica's a little older than me. I'm 37. Okay, okay, yeah. This puts in perspective. Um, I did, definitely. I did discover while looking into stuff for this that um, my three favorite Zeldas, Link's Awakening, Majora's Mask, and Wind Waker, all have Yoshiaki Koizumi as uh, like a main writer on them, and no other Zelda game does. So I do think perhaps he might be part of the magic There is there. definitely a through line. And uh, I didn't know who this was, other than the guy in Nintendo Directs that I think is kind of handsome. Uh, but see, see, when see, I was like, Crystal, I told you this motherfucker's good looking. He's a good looking guy. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Every time he comes on screen, I'm like, who's this handsome a, dude? Oh, it's that he, guy. He okay. is the face of Nintendo's development right now. Yeah, he's like he sort of took over Mario. He's the sort of the the Aonuma of Mario, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Which I also learned he's also the guy that put the storybook into Mario Galaxy and got in a lot of trouble over sure it. Sure did. No more writing stories for so, him. Right. He doesn't have a single writing credit post-Galaxy. And I'm like, oh, fuck. No wonder. No wonder Nintendo is taking a downturn. They got to let him back in the writer's room. Um, I was finding uh, like quotes from him. Did you know gaming did a bunch of like translations of old uh, Majora's Mask interviews? And he's kind of shit-talking Miyamoto in them, which I really enjoyed. Hell yeah. Like, he says that after he wrote Link's Awakening, Miyamoto told him that he hated it. He did a terrible job, and he will never let him write a Zelda game again. And he was like, I took that as a compliment. I wanted to make something Miyamoto would like. Absolutely. What a hero. I can't believe Miyamoto is the one who's the guy doing the fucking Zelda movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Listen. It would be pretty interesting if the Zelda movie was like a non-narrative film, like Miyamoto likes. That would be extremely. If it if it yeah. was genuinely a non-Hollywood movie, if it was something experimental and weird, I'd be all over it. I don't give a shit. I even I even think it could be a Hollywood movie, but it needs to be like like, like think about like um like this is the first example at the top of my head, like Fury Road. Mad Max has barely any dialogue in that movie. If Link had a Mad Max amount of dialogue, I'd be fine with that. Honestly? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, go on. Like, if you had, say, I don't know, uh, Mifa and, like, the Furiosa role or something. I guess it'd be more like Zelda. Or no, shut up. Mifa again. Let's go. Well, I was thinking, like, Sages. Like, what's a... Because that's kind of the role she plays. But, you know, you know, you have a main character and you have Link on the side as, you know, her dog that she can send on tasks. Hell yeah. That that suits Zelda, and they will never do that because that's not like conventional enough. I think I've mentioned it before, but I would kind of like it if a Zelda movie had no dialogue at all. Totally, if it was just Link wandering the wilderness and like getting into fights and like solving block puzzles, if with the right filmmaker, that could be a really cool yeah. movie. Um, 
was I going to say? I don't remember. Uh, doesn't matter. Uh, what else do we got here? Back up. Um, oh, right. Yeah. So this one, uh, we're still getting into the Constellation stuff. I think I've already covered that point pretty extensively. Um, my theory for what happened in the backstory of this game, why a, a hero failed to appear. I think a hero did appear. But King Daphnis, that fuck, uh, denied them because they did not fit his conception of what the hero of time is supposed to be. So he's like, no, 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 I'm not even letting you into my basement to try to pull that sword. Get the fuck out of here, you weird kid. And the gods were like, okay, bud, well, gonna flood you then if you don't want, if you don't want option A, we're giving you option B, like it or not. I'm curious to hear your justification for this reading. So it is partially just, um, I, I don't think it is a hard, like, this is what happened. It was more hearing y'all discuss it and realizing there is a lot of ambiguity there and what formulation kind of suits my interpretation of Wind Waker the most. Uh, Daphnis is inherently this very conservative uh, person who kind of damns Hyrule through his conservatism and, you know, does not learn his lesson until the last cutscene of that game. The entire time throughout that game, he's like, no, this kid isn't the hero. He's just some fucking kid, but I don't know. We gotta, we gotta get these damn pearls. We gotta get this sword. He's good enough. Um, you know, he's, he's kind of like, when you get the translated version of that, uh, Jaboon conversation, you know, he's kind of not in your corner the way you would think he is. He's like, no, this kid's, this kid's a nobody, but I'm trying, man. He says you're not the hero of when, time, like, right? Right. Yeah, I think, yes, but I, you know, I take that to me more broadly, like, this kid's just a kid, but, you know, he's brave, and he can use a sword, so, you know, beggars can't be choosers. We'll we'll make it work, I guess, hopefully. I'd rather not everybody die. I, I, um, I'm not going to take away from this reading. It's perfectly valid. Yeah, yeah. I feel like sure. you might be casting Daphnis maybe two or three shades harsher than the text of the game. Um, this is the same Daphnis that takes Tetra and turns her into a powder white princess that's not allowed to yep. do anything. So, I mean, I don't know. Seems to fit to me. I mean, that's right. It's like, yes, but the misogyny, it's like, oh, I can't argue about the fucking misogyny. That happened. <laughs> right. Like, he's trying to force Tetra into the <laughs> traditional role of a Zelda. And I think by the same token, he's like, well, Link, you don't really qualify as a hero because... Like, you don't fit my traditional conception of a hero. I just don't know if that lines up with the conversations he has with Link. I think Link to him is a Hail Mary pass. Because, hey, Ganon's back and we don't have time. And, like, I'm a fucking boat now, so we'll do what All we right. can. I won't keep pushing the point. I just wanted to say that. Yeah, again, it's it's interpretive. I'm not going to say this. my reading is definitively what happened. It's, it's an interpretation I kind of landed on through the process of this that I like, but I can't say that, like, here's the silver bullet that proves it. You know it's what I mean? It's a funny assessment because none of the people in Wind Waker, except for the Deku Tree, would have met Link. Right. Uh, Hero of Time Link. Right, but they would have had legends about him, right? Yes. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And also, this is, like, this is the only game where the Master Sword is in Hyrule Castle itself, which means... The royal family would have had more control over the access to it than they do, even in, like, Ocarina, where you need the royal family's Ocarina to get into the temple. You kind of need everybody on board to open up the Temple of Time. Only the royal family has control over the Master Sword in the Wind Waker backstory, you Which know? Which is sort of a running theme throughout your timeline. Yeah, I, I, hey, I don't like monarchy. <laughs> that maybe informs some of my readings. A little bit, you know. Hey, 
We're we're not a pro monarchy <laughs> podcast. Even if no, we, no, no. I know even that. if we deal that. with a pro monarchy <laughs> setting. Right, right. Um, I I think there's plenty of room to read anti monarchy into this if you're willing to bend a little. Um, I think that's everything I had for Wind Waker. Well, I have a lot for Wind Waker, but everything I've... The the big points I wanted to cover, you know. Um, Four Swords Adventures, I don't have a ton here. Obviously, it's very important for Book of Medora, for the Accursed Timeline. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember the arguments for this, but what I've written down in the abstract is I don't think the case... Uh, for the Dark Mirror being the Mirror of Twilight is as strong as y'all suggested That's it fine. is. I think, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't even know how strongly y'all hew to that at this point. I mean, it, 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 it was one of those things where it's like, oh, this is a neat puzzle piece. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I think even by the time you're talking about the Accursed Timeline, you're not that concerned with making them handshake that neat. Yeah, that's true. It's amazing how much yeah. lore that game tries to drop, though. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. Every time Nintendo tries to engage in like the timeline, they really, they really goof it's it up. It's clearly supposed to be the Imprisoning War, just like the others. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like the other six games that are clearly supposed to be the Imprisoning War. Right, just like uh, Link Between Worlds is clearly supposed to happen after Link to the Past. It, yeah. And clearly cannot. Not at all. There's not that much Zelda lore. You'd think they could keep it straight. I think the thing here is that there's a lot more Zelda lore than anybody realizes. There is, but, like, they get the basics wrong. It does happen sometimes. Yeah. And obviously, the real truth is they don't care. That's not really what it's about to them. Um, I don't think... So, you all were talking about, like, there's a Ganondorf in Four Swords Adventures that's clearly a different guy than Ocarina. Um, If they're on the same timeline, how can you possibly explain that? You know, uh, QED, there must be an accursed timeline. I do think, given the extreme time scales of Zelda, it's not that hard to imagine that either Four Swords happened before Ocarina and got forgotten, or vice versa. Especially because the Accursed Timeline suggests that the royal family forgot they had the Triforce in the basement, and just sort of stuck Ganon next to it without thinking. Yeah, that did happen. (laughs) So I think if they can forget that... History can forget about Ganondorf. Well, remember, in the manual of A Link to the Past, they say that Ganon got to the Sacred Realm quite by accident. So it kind of fits with that. True. True. That's fair. I just... I'm just saying if we're allowing for that possibility, then we're allowing for forgetting to be part of this, you know, timeline. So you think that the version of Earth that this takes place on is not like our version of earth in that nobody nowadays is going to be named judas iscariot or or various other villains from throughout history well but keep in mind judas iscariot that's only two thousand years ago that's nothing in zelda years so so when crystal says that the time the gap between the calamities imprisonment and the events of Breath of the Wild describe a gap of time broader, vaster than the entire rest of the timeline. Your response is, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's true. It might be true. But, you know, there simply isn't enough information to make a definitive call. I don't know. It's always about 100 think, years. Yeah, but there's enough games where we're like, okay, we don't know what goes after this or before this. That that time gap becomes, you know, ambiguous. By your timeline, though, we're bounded by the f- yeah. time range of... Christianity and the usage of the cross. 
Well, if we're talking about my timeline, it gets a lot screwier because Four Swords Adventures takes place in a separate universe. Okay. From Mo- the Monica past, hasn't so. read the timeline because she didn't want to be spoiled about <laughs> okay, it. She yeah. just read the abstract. Yes. Okay, yeah, that's fair. I'm, I'm that's hearing fair. Your, your arguments uh, as they I understand, yeah. No, um it it gets my timeline has a very has a way more complicated answer Good to this to know. question. Yeah. Um and this will become very apparent once we hit it. The man who wrote all everything on this document before Link Between Worlds is not the same man that wrote the stuff after it, because Link Between Worlds makes no fucking sense and it broke me a little bit. How do we skip all the way down to Link Between Worlds? No, I'm just bringing that up. I'm just uh, prefacing by saying, like, yeah, right now I'm making a lot of, like, pedantic technical arguments against, like, oh, oh, I think you maybe overstated this case a little bit. Maybe this conclusion's not as strong. Post-Link Between Worlds, I'm like, well, you see, the canceled Oracle game is the most important Oracle game. It's like, it it transitions between bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, academic Luke, and then next panel is just Luke with a burned-down cigarette fucking filter sitting between two (laughs) fingers, his eyes sunken, staring into nothing. I don't know what the fuck this is supposed to be. (laughs) Right, exactly. Uh, Jumping to Minish Cap, I really got nothing to say to this one other than... Uh, it's not even about Minish Cap, but in this episode, Crystal just sort of offhandedly says that, uh, you know, talking about Ocarina, says that Rauru is the first king of Hyrule, and Monica asks her why she thinks that, and Crystal's like, I don't know, I just think he is. And then, years later, Tears of the Kingdom comes out. Crystal, you Crystal did it. Crystal the smartest like, they're, not, they're not the same Rauru, but also, like, you know, that's why he's named Rauru. It's very funny to me that Crystal just called that shot like that. The, yeah. The worst part of this, and I mentioned this to Crystal in line, but I haven't said it on mic yet, is that I'm slowly starting to become Ocarina of Time Rauru. Uh, a, a a guy who starts to think that Ocarina of Time Rauru might be Ocarina of Time Zelda's ancestor. Sure. Yeah. Oh, I would say that in light of Tears of the Kingdom... Uh, I absolutely think Rauru is a king of Hyrule. Shit. <laughs> in Ocarina. He does have a kingly name. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, if a random character showed up named Daphnis in a different Zelda game, you'd be like, oh, obviously he's related to Daphnis Nohansa. Yeah, obviously. Right. I just think that's funny. It is funny. Uh, good job, Crystal. <laughs> uh, moving on to Twilight Princess. I wrote a lot about this one. You sure did. <laughs> it's a, and it's a game I think is like a 7 out of 10. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, running through these. Uh, I don't like reading the hero's shade as the hero of time, but also, he is. Like, I'm not, I can't dispute it. I just dislike it because I don't. Who the hero's shade is does not square with me with the person at the end of Majora's Mask. Well. I don't, I have a hard time reading a continuity between those two characters. We, we've, and obviously a lot of time passes, but. We've yeah. kind of come to the conclusion that he's not literally the ghost of the hero of time. He's more like the embodied will of a specific aspect of the Hero of Time. Lingering like I, a curse after the Hero of Time's spirit passes on. That's fair. I And listen, there's been a lot of ghost discourse in the Tears of the Kingdoms episodes, and I have not gotten to hear the last one yet because it's not out. But uh, I thought the idea was that there is an immortal hero's spirit, but that's Son not what the hero's shade is. He is specifically the specter of the Hero of Time. Divorced from the immortal hero immortal spirit. Hero spirit. Pieces. <laughs> I, I think there's an immortal hero spirit, Cameron. Uh, well, I can be talking with three people who are wrong now, can't I? <laughs> Listen, I'm not saying I like it. I'm just saying I think that's 
pretty clearly the implication. I don't give a shit what everybody thinks. I'm going to be over here in the corner being right. <laughs> um, yeah, let's see here. Uh, although I will say, Cameron, it is also funny to me, in those Twilight Princess episodes, you keep going on about, like, everyone tries to, like, argue that, and they're just ignoring the obvious, like, implication of the game. And I'm like, oh, interesting, Cameron. You think people are ignoring the implications to argue technicalities, do you? That's your position on this particular subject, huh? Yes. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I feel like I've got uh, several hours of audio of you doing the dead opposite. I think you might have uh, multiple weeks of hours, uh, multiple weeks of audio of me doing the dead opposite at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, listening to these episodes, I was surprised to hear that it's such, like, a big question what the Dark Interlopers are. I'm like, I don't know, they're bad guys. Like, the idea that that's a huge, like, argument in Zelda fandom, is, like, just passed me by, because I was kind of out of Zelda fandom by this point. Yeah, for point. the past 20 years, it's um, been a big thing. Like, yeah, no, there's, there's a Triforce, guys. Have you heard about this? There's gonna be bad guys what want it sometimes. And they're clearly the Dreamlanders. True. Right, yeah. <laughs> Uh, my best theory for them, and I, I go, I do a very close reading of that Lanayru myth in here. My best interpretation is that there were people in the Sacred Realm, and the Dark Interlopers are a faction of those people who rebelled against the rest of them, uh, and tried to, like, take the realm for themselves and the power of the Triforce for themselves. And... Interloper is maybe a bit of a misnomer because they're not an outside actor. They are within the uh, group. And that was already how I interpreted it. And then, Cameron, you mentioned that in Japanese, they actually don't use a word like interloper, which kind of felt made me feel better about my reading. Damn. Me using the Japanese text. That's a fucked up thing to do. I You just sort of mentioned it. Like, obviously, we can't use it. And again, I'm not fighting that we should. I, I agree with the basic idea that, hey, it's a separate text. But, you know, when I've already got an instinct about something without referencing the Japanese and the Japanese oh, of supports course, it, yeah. I do feel a little a little emboldened yeah. in that interpretation. That's a perfectly good reason to get invalidated. As, as much as this podcast talks about relying strictly on the English language uh, version for canonical uh, considerations, I still use the word yeah. yami all the time to differentiate between sure. shadow and darkness and whatnot in the Tears of the Kingdom episodes. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a Japanese game written by Japanese writers. Sometimes you might have to consider the Japanese perspective to, to wrap your head around Hylian something. Hylian is Japanese as a language. Right, right, right. Um, let's see. So what else do I have here? I've, I know it's a lot. Uh, right. I'm just going to read this point because uh, I'm going to trip over my words if I try to just uh, sum it up. At first blush, Lanayru's myth of the sacred realm seems incompatible with the Deku Tree's creation myth, but I believe that a close reading of both reveals that they don't actually directly contradict. I believe Lanayru's myth is not a creation myth about the world, but is describing a second arrival of the goddesses wherein they create the sacred realm and the light spirits. So, the Deku Tree is very specific when he's setting up his story. He says, like, you know... Before time existed, before spirits existed, there was, like, nothing, and the goddesses arrived and, and breathed life into the world. Um, Lanayru just says, a long time ago, when all was chaos, the goddesses descended and created the sacred realm. That's not... You can read those as the same thing. And I don't think it's ridiculous to read them as the same thing. But there's also space to interpret them as describing two separate events. Because obviously, okay. if they're of uh, similar uh, authority, 
and they're describing things that have overlapping details that don't match up. It has to be two separate events. Right, unless we just take them as two contradictory accounts and then we have to sort of pick and choose what we want. I, I, I think I deleted this in an effort to try to trim this word countdown. Um, I, my general approach with this kind of thing is I want as much of the given exposition to be true as possible. And I want to make interpretive moves that preserve as much text as we can, in part because the more disparate elements that we have, the more fun we can have building a timeline. Um, and, like, you know, the, the fewer bumps we smooth out that way, the more we have to, you know, figure something else out to do with them. But also, I just think that, again, I think the genre of it, we're not supposed to take it as... Well, I don't know about all this magic light dragon, you know? It makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, and again, I I think I wrote about three or four pages really dissecting Lanayru's uh, myth word by word. Um, the kind of upshot of it was that my interpretation, goddesses create the Triforce in something like how the Deku Tree describes it. Then at some point later on, when all is chaos, quote unquote, they come back and create the sacred realm. Because Lanayru actually never uses the word Triforce at all. Uh, the word Triforce is not in the Twilight Princess script, which surprised right. me. Uh, you do a control F for Triforce in that text dump, it gives you zero results. Um, so I think the sacred realm is dis like being made separately from the Triforce. Um, and it's talking about all, you know, Lanayru says all was chaos... The manual to Legend of Zelda also uses that term because it says a long time ago the world was in an, a state of chaos, talking about the setting of Legend of Zelda. Now, obviously, you're allowed to describe two different things with the same word, but it's an interesting parallel. Yeah, that is an interesting parallel. That is a very interesting parallel. I wonder if there's what if perhaps a, a Japanese go ahead, go ahead. phrase that they're trying to capture. That's more common in Japanese than English. We'd have to do some... Possibly, yeah. In, in the case of the, the Zelda 1 manual, I would kind of think they're not that fussed about, like, expressing the Japanese, like, perfectly as long as they get the the, con the basic idea across, but maybe. Uh, Luke, uh, before we move on, I just yeah. wanted to say, because this is where it really starts, that not, yeah, not, yeah, yeah. The, not the Oracle alternate pocket universe thing or right, right, right. the multiple versions of earth that we're on so far yeah but this this game mm -hmm. here where you look at two alternate versions of the text and decide that there's two different golden goddesses origin stories and they must apply to different parts of the setting crystal feel free to chime in on this i just want to say luke that i admire your willingness to <laughs> let this timeline and this reading of the text get so fucking complicated yeah, I really kind of went all out here. I mean, listen, I not not to drag Christianity into it. There's multiple stories in the Bible about God doing stuff. You know, there can be multiple religious myths of the goddesses. Yeah, of course, of course. It's just that I the degree to which you go into it really speaks about your proclivities as a writer. I think. Sure. Yeah, I think you that's never fair. shy away from complexity. I would say that uh, both of both the Blessed and Accursed timelines uh, deeply reflect the um, aesthetic sensibilities and interests of their writers. That, <laughs> when, well, when you put it that way, it just sounds reflexive, yes. 
we perhaps we cannot escape who we are at the end of the day, no matter how much Zelda theorizing we do. Well, we can try. <laughs> yeah, our our um, approach was to try to condense the twenty different stories of the imprisoning war into one thing. The you're right. like, no, my timeline all has stuff. six different imprisoning wars. Yeah. yeah, you know, you have that sometimes in history, like the Third Crusade, the Sixth Imprisoning War. You know, yeah. Um, last note I have got for Twilight Princess is, uh, Crystal, this is where you float the idea that, like, Ganon's wishes on the Triforce, or Ganon's wish on the Triforce and Link to the Past kind of ripples across the timelines, and that's why he gets the Triforce in Twilight Princess. I do like that idea a lot. I think it's cool. Um, I, an alternative I came up with that I'm also into, though, is that when the royal family was waging war against the Gerudo they opened the door of time themselves and caused the Triforce to split in the same way it does in Ocarina. And the Triforce of Power doesn't find Ganondorf until he's being executed. Okay. Like they, they tried to claim the Triforce to use in eradicating the Gerudo and it didn't work because it got split. Walk me through this because this would be the battle yeah. against Ocarina of Time Ganondorf. Right. So the timeline I'm imagining, right? Link sort of... Um, you know, goes to Zelda at the end of Ocarina says like, hey, that dude, bad news. <laughs> do do something about that guy. He escapes. A war between the Gerudo and uh, Hyrule kind of starts. And we know from Twilight Princess that it's a really fucked up war where they kind of just uh, kill off the Gerudo. Um, sometime during that battle, I'm saying the king of Hyrule convinces the uh, like client kingdoms, you know, the, the Gorons and the Zora and what have you, to give him the spiritual stones and open the door of time so that they can use the Triforce in this war. But when he tries to claim it, the same thing happens as what happened to Ganondorf and Ocarina. It splits into three parts and just sort of goes flying through the ether. Sometime after that, Ganondorf is captured, going to be executed, and at that point, the Triforce of Power finally finds uh, him as, like, the most worthy recipient of it and, you know, activates in him. So this is a King Bumble again when he's not listening to his daughter. Exactly, yes. Like, we already know the high rule of that era is fucked up and evil, and that seems of a piece with what they would do. It is fucked up and evil. My idea was always that the Triforce split as soon as the child timeline was created because Link has the right. Triforce on his hands. That is true. Um, I will say Link gets the Triforce on his hand in Skyward Sword before he gets the Triforce and it like slowly lights up as he becomes worthy of it. That's so true. just because he's got that symbol on his hand at the end of Ocarina doesn't necessarily mean he actually has the I Triforce. I know you ain't saying That's this true. shit after talking about intent, motherfucker. <laughs> Again, this is not like, oh, I don't think you guys read it right. I like Crystal's idea. I just thought I also had a cool alternative. Yeah, I just... According to this, I think the remaining piece would be wisdom that would be left with the king. And then he'd have to go to That's his daughter true. and yeah, go, yeah. Uh, oops, I'm sorry. I fucked up <laughs> really badly. Right. That's the thing. Is King getting wisdom after that? Or is, does he go to tell his daughter he fucked up and she's just got the <laughs> Triforce of Wisdom? Like, yeah, I know, Dad. I, know. I, I like the idea that somebody <laughs> could touch the Triforce and they just don't get any peace whatsoever. No peace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I was gonna say doesn't matter. 
Uh, that is all I've got for Twilight Princess. Um, I don't really have anything for Phantom Hourglass. It's not, I'm not saying anything positive, negative about it as a game. Not especially consequential on the timeline. I think that's fair to say. Yep. Just kind of like, oh, by the way, Wind Waker, Link, and Tetra, they they got up to some other business. You don't see any particular um, import to the story of Oceus or this parallel world of the Ocean King. Um, I do point out that the existence of a nested universe within the universe of Zelda does say, hmm, they, these nested worlds keep popping up, so maybe it's not crazy for me to invent a couple more for my timeline theory. That is one direction to take it, but isn't that's, it? It is one direction to take it. Uh, Spirit Tracks, this is the only Zelda game I haven't finished, other than, you know, like, Wand of Gamelon or whatever. I, uh, it's a shame. was moving. I, yeah, I remember liking what I played of it. I lost my cartridge in a move, and I didn't want to buy another copy of it. Formally and formerly recognized as the best game of all time, objectively. I, y'all have convinced me that I need to go back and Absolutely. Play it. It's a great game. Uh, the ending's terrific. Yeah, I... Yeah, I definitely, I, I love the characterization of Zelda in it. Like, I I definitely liked what I played of it. I just haven't seen I it I think through. it has a kind of heart to its characters, its writing, and its music that will recall yeah. to you what it felt like talking to characters in Wind Waker. Maybe Wind Waker isn't the last excellent and, Zelda, and there's, there's still one out there for There's still me. one where you drive a choo-choo <laughs> train and shoot things with a cannon. That's That's so true. <laughs> Maybe that's what I've been missing all this time. God, I wish Tears of the Kingdom had choo-choo trains in it. I mean, you could build them, but it's not the same. That'll be, uh, you know, just wait for Breath There's of the Wild There's not going 3. to be a it's Breath of the Wild 3. Yeah, yeah there, there is. is. It's going to be Death Stranding. You're going to be building uh, train tracks instead of highways. Death Stranding, motherfucker. Bringing your Kojima sh- Death Stranding kind of has Breath of the Wild vibes, It does, actually. Death, Death Stranding seems to have borrowed quite a bit more from Breath of the Wild's ideas than a lot of gamers would be happy to talk about. It, it is kind of just Hideo Kojima's Breath of the Wild. Um, but yeah, uh, Spirit Tracks, I don't have a ton for it. Um, I, I'm pretty much sign off on everything y'all said on it. All I've got written in the abstract here is, uh, I think this game's portrayal of Force Gems bolsters my interpretation of the Triforce. Tr- uh, Cameron, you're very fussy in some of these episodes that the Triforce absolutely is not Big Force Gem. I'm, I'm here to push the Big Force Gem oh. theory. <laughs> In the same way that the planet Earth is Big Rock. You know what oh. I mean? They're orders of magnitude apart from one another. Okay. I'm not going to fight with uh, you. Because again... I'm not going to embarrass <laughs> Crystal by fighting with our guest in the middle of their podcast. <laughs> well, again, part of my idea of like the metaphysics of Zelda is that everybody sort of is touched by the spark of the divine. Everybody has the power to alter reality through their will. The Triforce is merely, you know, this massive, uh, incredibly potent version of that energy. So people being able to generate Force Gems, these, like, microscopic uh, facsimiles of the Triforce, that that tracks to me completely. That does make sense. (laughs) Yes, Phantom Hourglass does have a line that says the the sand in the hourglass is made of Force Gems from the Ocean King. So clearly... At least with the minor deities, there's not a fundamental difference between human and divine force gems. Hey, hey now. That and, you know, the, the thematic uh, purpose of gratitude crystals. Would, would you believe right. that comes up in the larger version of his uh, dissertation? Yes. Yeah, no, I, y- y'all talked about force gems being gratitude crystals. I'm, I'm on board. That's, yeah, yes. 
Speaking of... Hey, speaking of, it's time for Skyward Sword, another game I wrote a lot of words about, despite not, like, adoring it. Oh. <laughs> yes, I, there, I, Monica, remind me there's something I want to say at the end of the Skyward Sword section. Okay. What I'm going to say up front, because I'm worried I'm about to be mean to a game everybody else here likes... The parts of Skyward Sword I like are not the parts I'm talking about here, right? I actually love the dungeons in this game. I think it's super fun to play. I just have I have some issues with Thank the story, you. which I'll get Thank into. Thank you for being so considerate of our feelings. I promise you we have heard much worse without dying. <laughs> sure, I know, I know. I just Listen, I'm the guest here, so I feel bad being like, and let me explain why the thing you like sucks. <laughs> no, I, I think that's okay, honestly. Some adversarial um, back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, first point, uh, is that there's actually not that much in-game evidence that Skyward Sword needs to be the earliest game on the timeline. In a post-Tears of the Kingdom world, even more so. But, like, the main things that, like, point to Skyward Sword being first in the game itself, obviously that's sort of how it was marketed, but we don't care about that. It's like, well, you forge the Master Sword in this game... Demise is implied to be, like, the father of every other final boss character in Zelda. Um, and there's no Hyrule yet. I think those are kind of the three big ones. And, like, I think there's plenty of room to play with all three of those. A lot of this, uh, the Accursed Timeline is playing with that Demise one specifically. So, I don't think it's a silver bullet the way that it gets treated as. I think you're probably right. It was clearly meant to be, I, I but think, when, yeah. when did um, anyone on this podcast care about what was meant. What did anyone care about what Nintendo meant, including <laughs> Nintendo? Uh-huh. <laughs> Except when talking about creation so, yeah, I, myths. Well, right, yeah, that's true. Then it's important. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I don't care about Nintendo. I care about the Deku Tree. He's my dad. That's and I true. Love him. I do uh-huh. also love him. And I don't, I don't like him... I don't like him being slandered like that's this. That's true. <laughs> you, you to the Deku Tree is basically gone freaks to kite. <laughs> We're watching through Hunter um, Hunter. Okay. It's a good show. <laughs> I was just going to nod along, not knowing those names. <laughs> well, there's three or four listeners to our podcast who just went, oh, kite mention. Uh, yeah, Hunter Hunter is a very popular program. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm just, for now, I'm just setting that point on the table that we've got room to play with Skyward Sword, which, again, I think after Tears of the Kingdom is not a controversial point no. to make. Um, next one, maybe a little more controversial. I just don't like Hylia as like a concept for a character I don't like the idea that like oh yeah no there's a goddess of time that can see everything that happens and preordains everything to happen just so in a way that like you know don't worry about it because this is all happening according to Hylia's plan even the bad guys are following Hylia's plan without realizing it and this is not me saying I don't like the way you guys interpreted this I think you're right to interpret it that way I just think that sucks, because it kind of just robs every other character in the story of agency. Yeah, I'm about ready to drop that part of her characterization, actually. Yeah? Okay, I'm glad. <laughs> I really dislike I'm it. working toward it, but uh, yeah, this isn't a very controversial take. Crystal, how do you feel about Hylia? I'm kind of coming around on Hylia. I know historically I, <laughs> I agreed with Luke that God, I love this. evil. God damn it, Tears, Crystal. Tears of the Kingdom kind of made me a Zaylinker. Yeah. And I like the idea that the whole series is Hylia crafting her por- perfect boyfriend. Yay. <laughs> oh my God. I think that uh, Crystal and Cameron are tidally locked. I We must be. We, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that is what it is. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 
You're reversing polarity right now. Shit. <laughs> yeah, I, like, yes, I, I'll get into it in a second. I do think Hailey is evil, but also, even just setting that aside, I just, I don't like it as a writing concept. Like, if you brought this story idea to me, I'd be like, no, write a different one. That's stupid. <laughs> um, and obviously that's partially just a matter of taste. Um, because, too, like, obviously she explicitly... Uh, manipulates the events of Skyward Sword. Zelda even kind of calls that out and, like, apologizes to Link. Like, hey, in a past life, I did kind of, you know, manipulate every moment of your entire existence. Sorry. Um, she's more authentic than that. I'm being glib. Um, but then she's also, like, around in Breath of the Wild, you know, giving the Sheikah monks, like, instructions on how to build fucking shrines to test a hero that won't be alive in, like, their grandchildren's lifetimes. And if those games are at opposite ends of the timeline, then implicitly she must be manipulating the events of every game, which means that every game is just kind of highly a fucking around. You you specifically end up bringing up the, um, mm, uh, what's the name of that drink in Gerudo Town and Breath of the Wild? The Noble Pursuit? Oh, yes. You you specifically bring up the Noble Pursuit quest. It was the point that Breath of the Wild broke for me a little bit when you find the, uh, yeah, Gerudo woman slumped over a shrine and is like, oh, I'm dying of thirst. And you you don't even have to bring her a drink, right? You just tell her they're mixing a drink for her back at the bar and that gives her the energy the to keep going. Best character in the game. She's great. Love her. But then you go into the shrine and it's not like, it's a blessing shrine. <laughs> so there's no puzzle to do. There's no, so like... Hylia knew that a woman was going to slump over that terminal. And she's like, that's a good enough puzzle, whatever that monk's name is. Don't worry about it. Like, okay, so even this random woman having a random bad day has been ordained by Hylia. Really? Come on. I I think Hylia is dead. Hell yeah. No, I, I, I'm being perfectly <laughs> sincere when I say that I think she genuinely dies when Skyward Sword Zelda passes on. Oh, I thought you meant in a Nietzschean no, sense. No, I mean in a literal <laughs> sense. She's gone. I agree with that. Well, but the thing, but the thing about a goddess of time is that she's a goddess of time. So even I don't if think she's a goddess. She of dies time. at some point. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> That's that. That isn't for right now. We're here to talk about your timeline. Sure. But I will. I, I, sure, I will yeah. say that I'm leaning towards the idea that Hylia is a goddess of light, not a goddess of time. May I ask, then, how is it that she can speak to you from beyond time in Skyward Sword? She left a message in your voicemail. I see. I see. Okay. Okay. The voicemail itself is beyond Well, I mean, that's fine. That's how she frames it. But, like, how else do you explain a voicemail to someone? Sure. I I guess any time you leave a voicemail for someone, you're speaking to them across (laughs) time. Yeah. (laughs) Remind me to start my next recording that way. Okay. We're speaking to you, the listeners, from outside of time. Right, right. Um, all right. Well, we'll we'll let that sit for now. Um, I'm addressing the the cursed timeline theory I've got in front of me, not the one you're you're creating now. Uh, let's see here. Um, the timeline, the time travel stuff uh, at the end of this game is messy. And while I don't think the cursed timeline explanation actually resolves the mess, I also don't really think there's a fully satisfying answer that can. I get into this deeper in the full document, but like. There's basically three things at the end of Skyward Sword that all obey different time travel rules. And I think no matter what you do, you kind of just have to gloss over some of that to make it make any sense. You just have to ultimately go, oh, fuck it. Yeah, at some point you have to just say, ah, this thing obeys different rules because Hylia said so. Or, sorry, the goddess of time said Ah. so. (laughs) In this game, it's definitely Um, because Hylia said so. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I definitely went into this with, like, 
Because I, I could tell that y'all's explanation didn't quite solve the riddle of it. And I'm like, I will simply solve it. <laughs> I don't know how to solve it. <laughs> That's very Greek of you. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, last point I've got on Skyward Sword. Uh, right, this is another big one. Um, Hylia had the Triforce, and even if gods can't wield its full power, she also had devoted followers and allies in the battle against Demise. Why couldn't she hand it off to one of them to wish Demise to death? Her failure to do so suggests to me the possibility that she is not as benevolent as she's portrayed, and that she was only willing to accept a victory that left her with complete and total control, even if it cost far more lives. Um, why didn't she just hand it to that Goron in the intro and be like, dude, wish Demise to death? Is this the... Oh. Monica brought up something last night that I thought was interesting. And I think it's actually okay. a pretty good answer to this. Okay. What happens when someone without a balanced heart touches the Triforce? Well, it does split. That's true. What motherfucker on the planet is most likely to get the Triforce of power? That's a fair point. It's sure. A, it's just sure. a hell of a risk. I forgot that I made this point. You did? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Thank you, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> But I think we talked, the part that I did remember is that people could still be in balance if they had zero oh, courage yes, power. Right. <laughs> so you have this this right. sniveling, stupid coward of a man, and he could still hold the whole Triforce because all of his wisdom, power, and courage are all at 0.1. <laughs> but maybe they aren't very good right, wishes. Right, right. Yeah, maybe they're not very good wishes. Like, oh, I don't know. I'm just saying, I have a hard time believing there wasn't a single worthy person any point in the demon war that Hylia could have given the Triforce to. I mean, that's the plot of the game, right? Is making Link into a worthy enough and balanced enough person to make the wish. Right, but my argument is that it's not just that. It is also making him into somebody so in love with Hylia's human car- incarnation that he will make the wish and then give the Triforce back to so Hylia. Ju- that I agree with. So just to be clear here, Luke, I'm speaking in dead yeah. seriousness... In sure, the context yeah, yeah. of Skyward Sword, you are also a Z-Link shipper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty undeniable in Skyward Sword and uh, Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It is. Like, I, I am not the eternal Z-Link shipper that they, like, always find each other and always fall in love. But in some games, yeah, there's no way yeah, around it. It's true. I mean... Now, do I like the idea that Link is two-timing Zelda with the yeah, item yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, that's very funny to me. It's like, or Fi is like, I'm not going to tell Zelda about this. And Link is like, yeah, you're not. After <laughs> Fi goes into her eternal sleep, Link just wipes his sweat off his brow and goes, okay, it's a secret again. Right. <laughs> I don't know why I find that funny. I guess it's because clearly Link would never commit infidelity. Right, yeah. No, it's, I'm with you. It's an inherently funny concept. I'm very entertained by it. Uh, Beatrice. That was her um, name, Beatrice. Beatrice, yes, yes, yes. Okay, so... Your, your um, idea here is that Hylia is doing all of this because she is setting herself up through her bloodline, her mortal bloodline, to be in control of the power of the gods. Yes, exactly. She is not willing to win the war in a way that diminishes her own power. I see, I see, I see. And uh, she's willing to sacrifice who knows how many people to make sure that type of victory happens. Th- this attitude about Hylia and finding her distasteful kind of informs you're writing about the timeline, at least in the dissertation. And I... Yeah, I, I explicitly call out in the timeline part, one of my keystones here is that I don't like Hylia, so I'm going to take some interpretive license to write her as more of a villainous And character. you also mentioned, and this is the point that I wanted to come back to, is that you wanted to reduce her role in the timeline if possible. 
Yes, yeah. Although that comes more with with uh, Breath of the Wild. How'd that yeah. turn out, motherfucker? Uh, I mean, I only have a, a you know better than I was worried it might. Uh, I'm looking at all these <laughs> blue lines on the actual timeline. Sure, yeah, no, she's definitely got some influence here. I'll admit that. You much. turned her into fucking Doc Scratch, man. Okay, yeah, you're right, I did. <laughs> but you know, there's only so many games set in the version of the universe that she completely controls. Yeah, that's true. It's very funny to me that you, that Monica has not looked at this thing and is just hearing these random asides about it as we I, go. I peeked at the the uh, the image. And she said, I don't okay, understand yeah, yeah. this. I saw a lot of complexities <laughs> there. Sure, yeah. I was going to razz your That's berries true. about how Homestuck ended, but I'll let yeah. that uh, stand in for it. Okay. Because sure. I don't actually know how Homestuck ended. I was going to go, at the end of this, I was going to go, so, Le- so Luke, how did Homestuck end? I mean, I could tell you don't, if you wanted. Please. <laughs> I fell off at the appropriate time, which was any time. You know, whether or not John completed the time loop to fight Caliborn or not is an important question that informs your reading of it. Holds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next game, Link Between Worlds. The one that broke me. <laughs> it is incredible how much they fucked up in the space of like three sentences. Please go on. Um, so yeah, y'all also struggle with this one, understandably. Uh, you, you get right away to the point that this cannot possibly be a sequel to Link to the Past, and I'm with you. It can't be. That's what they were going for, and they, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't, the backstory does not describe the events of A Link to the Past. Um, it describes the events of the end of Ocarina of Time, frankly, but that also doesn't make sense, because, like, we know what happens to Ganon after that in the adult, uh, adult timeline. So that doesn't work. Um, y'all went with the child timeline that it takes place after Twilight Princess, which, A, I, I think I say in the, the timeline, the, the full document, I like the moxie, but I also think that doesn't work. I think that's still inconsistent with the details given, because, uh, he's still, Ganon still isn't sealed away by the sages in Twilight Princess. He is in the backstory, but then they kill him after that, and the sages aren't involved with killing him. So, kinda, none of the options match... Ganon here. Yeah, when when you take the story as they tell them as being authoritative, yeah, I, that would not work. Right, like it just doesn't fit with anything we're given. Um, I I really tried to find somewhere you can shoehorn it in here. I got to the point I looked up what the like you know two sentence blurb on the back of like the Game and Watch Zelda's is. To be like, can it fit with this one? Nope, doesn't even fit this. Uh, so my eventual placement of it is that just, we know that the timelines fuse together before Breath of the Wild, right? That's, that's undisputed. I think, Crystal, you can certainly speak up if you think otherwise, but I don't see any other option. Yeah, I, I agree that they merge. Um, okay. My best argument for Link Between Worlds' placement, then, is that it is happening as the timelines are merging. And that that is why the history we're being given is inconsistent with any history we have seen firsthand. So they're pulling what happened and is true across different timelines. Yes, exactly. Okay, so... That makes sense because it is very much like a merger of downfall and child in style. Right. But again, also, the backstory 
pretty much one-to-one lines up with the end of Ocarina Adult timeline. Yeah. Like, if not for Wind Waker, I would say this obviously goes after that. Yeah, that would make yeah. sense. Yeah. So it, it kind of is a mishmash of everything. And you know what? We do, in fact, have a mishmash of everything on the timeline. So I, I think that might yeah. work. Yeah, I, I think it's a perfectly cogent place to put it. Yep. And then I decided, hey, why settle for perfectly cogent and not go, uh, you know, Bananas McGillicuddy with it? Okay. Uh, what is, what, <laughs> go on with the Bananas McGillicuddy. Oh, right. Shit. I forgot. Yes. Please go on and explain <laughs> the Bananas McGillicuddy. Uh, so this is something that y'all point out but don't really do anything with, which is fair. Um, uh, but Twilight Princess got big chasms all over Hyrule because that's how you could have a big space like that with, uh, Wii loading times, oh, right? Yeah. Um, Low Rule and Link Between Worlds got big chasms all over it because that fits the overworld design of that game. True. What, what if both same place? How could they both be the same place? I'm so glad you asked, Cameron. What if, hypothetically... At the end of Twilight Princess, Midna destroys the Mirror of Twilight, right? Uh, She, you know, has her own reasons for it. But, you know, it's this extremely powerful magical artifact that, you know, it links the worlds together. It seems like it has a lot of powerful magic in its own right that can be sort of drawn from. That's where, like, the latter half of the bosses come from, all that. And Midna's like, nah, fuck this. I'm breaking this thing. I'm out. Bye. Ganondorf is killed at the end of that game. Link leaves Hyrule to go off on another adventure. Suppose that... Ganondorf's piece of the Triforce is claimed from his body. Link uh, surrenders his piece of the Triforce because he doesn't need it for nothing. He's he's just out. So Zelda has the whole Triforce after Twilight Princess. And the course of this, you know, learning about Ganondorf again, uncovering Hyrule's bloody history with the Gerudo, uh, learning about the wars that have been fought over the Triforce. Suppose Zelda thought, much like Midna doesn't need the Mirror of Twilight, we don't need the Triforce, and wished for it to be destroyed, thereby creating low rule. This is where you start winning me over. Oh, Jesus. Because <laughs> it does kind of explain a lot if it's like uh, high rule is adult and low rule is child. Right. That's, that's the idea. So you would also place A Link Between Worlds as the sequel to Twilight Princess. Yes, just for different reasons. <laughs> Great. <laughs> okay. I, 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 I took a different road, but I ended up in the same town. That's beautiful. <laughs> it is beautiful. Why, why is... Cameron, what, what do you think? Well, go why ahead, is Monica. the Triforce upside down? Um, <laughs> because... Oh... Hold on. (laughs) Well, okay, no, no, no. I I have this. It is because when Zelda wishes to eradicate the Triforce, the Triforce is is the golden power of the gods. It, like, exceeds the universe. You can't just simply break it. By breaking it, she is retroactively making it, like... She's retroactively changing the history of Hyrule. You know, it, it is now always been low rule. And as such their imagery of the Triforce has always been inverted. Can I offer an alternative explanation? Sure. Twilight Princess is a sequel to Majora's Mask. Oh, Jesus. And in Majora's Mask, Link went to the Stone Tower and flipped the world upside down. (laughs) That is true. He did do that. And the... Oh, you're saying he just never flipped it back. He never flipped it back. (laughs) I mean, he didn't notice because you get used to it. 
but it's right, still right, right. Wait, 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 yeah. wait, wait, wait. Could Majora's Mask take place inside the Triforce of Courage? Oh shit! So, oh, oh fuck! Oh. So if it takes place within the Triforce of Courage after the events of Ocarina of Time, then yeah, in getting rid of all the evils there or whatever it is that he's doing, flipping it upside down yeah, yeah, inverts yeah. the Triforce, but only in oh but God. only in the post Majora's Mask world. So oh wow! So they actually <laughs> did purify the Triforce in that timeline, only to destroy yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, okay. So, is the Skull Kid then, did he also get into the Triforce of Courage, or is he merely a projection of the Skull Kid the from Lost Wood? Because he does, at the end of that game, say that, like, I smell you, you're, you're familiar, we hung out in the Lost Woods together. The Lost Woods we? connects all worlds, and it connects the Triforce too. Even the worlds of the Triforce? Oh my god. Yeah, because there's a Lost Woods in Holodrum, isn't there? Yes, yes, there is. Oh, there is! Okay, okay, mm. it's coming together. We're doing this. <laughs> it's coming together! This is happening. Maybe maybe Majora's Mask is an imaginary Triforce so space. So I'm, I'm imagining whoever's standing guard over the Triforce while Link is doing Majora's Mask, and Link is going through the Stone Tower Temple... The Triforce just keeps flipping up, high down, and right side up, just over and over and over. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> They're like, what the fuck? Okay, okay, we got something here. Now we're cooking. Now, if for some reason you go back into the Stone Tower and flip it back, uh, that's not canon. The, no. The, the, when the all the events of all the different cycles were merged, it was just left upside down. Right, right. Highly left, highly leaves that one out. Unless... <laughs> A Link Unless. to the Past takes place in the version where it's left right side up, and in Link Between Worlds, it's left up. Oh, here down. we go. <laughs> now we're cooking with even more gas. Uh, that's getting very far afield of how I've structured my timeline, but I'm not opposed this to This might concept. be too much gas now that I think of it. <laughs> right, that we're, we are cooking a separate meal at that point, and I'm not the opposed. House, it sounds like a tasty meal. The house is meal. on fire. <laughs> Yeah, but the steak, Cameron. Oh, the steak no, is we so have, juicy. We've gone over into one of those uh, Thanksgiving turkey fry videos where the oil just <laughs> spills all over the porch and now the whole house is on fire. Right, yeah. right. I mean, the turkey, though. Get that out of there. Save that first because it's probably That's, pretty good. That, that could be true. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, I think that's all I've got for Link Between Worlds. Um Hyrule Warriors and Triforce Heroes, I, I don't I know. I wanted to tell you that you had to place Hyrule Warriors. I did, but then I thought about it again, and I thought, no, yeah. I don't want to put that on anybody. I was initially going to. My initial thing was like, if y'all want to make fucking Four Swords Adventures the cornerstone of your timeline, I, mean, I, I didn't realize that was actually a first-party Nintendo game, but like, if the Capcom games are canon, then surely Hyrule Warriors must also be... I'm making you all smoke the entire pack. Let me get into Hyrule Warriors, figure out where to place this thing. Uh-oh. <laughs> we already smoked the entire pack. <laughs> right. Uh-oh, it doesn't really... Ooh. I think you probably could make a timeline that accommodates it, but that would have to be the only thing you care about uh -huh. doing. Oh. Uh, and I don't like Hyrule Warriors enough to put the effort in. Technically, I have placed it, but, you know, we'll get to it. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you saw the diagram, I it's did. on there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, that gets us to Breath of the Wild in the in the home stretch here. Um, let's see here. Uh, so, I've talked about uh, most of the 3D Zeldas having 
three earthly constellations, they're not in the Switch games. They're gone. What happened? That's a real good question. What did happen, Luke? The the stars over Hyrule have changed. Uh, I think there's a number of possible explanations for this. Uh, for instance, you might take the star fragments as literal, and the stars are just falling out of the sky, which is a troubling concept. That that would be troubling. Um, yeah, I wouldn't like it. Um, the theory I'm going with is that we have simply reached the third setting of the Legend of Zelda series. And how did we... We're in now a third discrete universe. How did universe. we get to this third discrete universe? Well, that's a great question that we will... Uh, we're, we're almost to the timeline section, so I, I might defer that question for now. But boy, makes it you does, think. I am thinking. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, this is a weird one that just sort of hit me while I was writing stuff up. Because of the Gerudo stuff in these games, they spend a lot of time talking about how Hillian doesn't have a B sound, because it's Japanese, yeah. right? Or doesn't have a V sound, rather. They, they do a B on accident. So how come the Divine Beasts all start with Va? That's a really good question. Va sounds like a Gerudo word, based on the other Gerudo words yeah. we hear. Are the Gerudo related to the ancient Sheikah in some see- way? Does that explain why the Yiga clan are so obsessed now, with see, them? This this actually echoes to me the conversations that we had talking about the the, the trailers for Tears of the Kingdom, where the Zonai script mm-hmm. looked like it was based on Gerudo script from Ocarina of Time. Right, right, right. Yeah. And they didn't end up doing anything with that. Cowards. But No, that's um, true. <laughs> but it does make me think, is is there a possibility here that suggests that the Gerudo are very uh, intimately involved in the creations of both of these cultures' technologies. And it would... Yeah, I mean, if... It go would ahead, go ahead. make the choice of the Yiga base being so close to Gerudo Town right. almost intentional. Now, exactly. N- yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Now, yeah. Luke... Go ahead. I, 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 I feel the need to berate you for leaving off sure. the most eye-popping thing you wrote about Breath of the Wild out of <laughs> Oh, what I write. You you don't remember? You I think you might I don't I don't remember you, you, I don't remember what you're referring you, to. You might be leading into talking about it right now, talking about the V sounds. I'm not sure. Remind me what you're referring to. Okay, you say here, is there a connection between the Gerudo and the ancient Sheikah? That is not the thing that you said in the long form version of this. In the long form Oh, I floated the idea that the Gerudo are, like, and the ancient Sheikah were the same people. That the ancient Sheikah split off into three peoples. Yeah, and I, I kind of dismissed that idea on the basis that the rest of the Sheikah are not, um, you know, fetish art of muscle women, like the Gerudo Cowards. are. <laughs> uh, they, they look so different that it seemed unlikely to me, but I mean, it's an interesting idea. That's okay. I can respect you leaving that off because I, on his face, that is um, bananas. Right. Like, I think if you ignore the obvious facts in front <laughs> of your face, there is perhaps a basis for it. But unfortunately, those darn facts won't get That's out of true. my face. true. All the women are like nine to eight to ten feet tall with no no body right. fat, incredible musculature. And granted, some of the Yiga are that big. The, the big boys with the wind and swords. And we never see their faces. We never see their faces. Mm. Uh, No, I think the the version of it I had pitched is that, yeah, you have the ancient Sheikah, and then the Yiga clan, like, breaks off from them when they're persecuted, and then what if most of the Yiga clan kind of got over it in the ensuing 10,000 years and became the modern Gerudo, and the Yiga still around are, like, the hangers-on of, like, the original schism? 
Which, again, I think is sort of an interesting idea, but I do sort of just look at the Gerudo, look at the Sheikah, look back at the Gerudo, and be like, yeah, never mind. <laughs> I, I like the moxie of the idea. Yeah, yeah. I think probably a softer version of the idea is that because we know the Yiga live near the Gerudo, there is, like, crossover between their languages because they interact. That's true. That would make sense. Maybe the Yiga hideout is more the, like, ancient traditional... Uh, like, home area of the Sheikah, and Kakariko was formed, like, post 10,000 years. Yeah. Yiga women could also go into Gerudo Town all the time. True, true. Yeah, that that would track. Uh, Do you oh, think that Yiga dye their hair? Mm. See, because Sheikah ha- all have silver hair, right? All have silver hair, But right. Yiga have black hair. It's, it's, it's a plot point for a side quest in Breath of the Wild. Well, and I do think most of the Yiga aren't, like, um, or, like, uh, hereditary, right? Like, aren't they kind of recruited? That is very possible based on what goes on in that game. And it makes the whole setting with them even weirder. Because it means that uh, Koga is a very effective propagandist. Yeah, like, Koga, I think, like, descends from the Sheikah. Because he's got, like, magic that looks a lot like the Sheikah town and stuff. Um, What color is Koga's hair? I believe his hair is also black. Okay, but he's a vain man. He might die. True. (laughs) <laughs> um the other big thing i've got for breath of the wild is uh i'm just gonna read this this bullet point here skyward sword and breath of the wild share so many connections that i have a hard time accepting that they belong on opposite ends of the timeline especially when those through lines aren't carried through the rest of the series in fact i think the only thing that truly makes sense is for skyward sword to go directly before breath of the wild which is the dead opposite of the conventional wisdom but no one worships Hylia in any of the other games. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. There are no Hylia statues in Ocarina of Time or Twilight Princess or Link Between Worlds. Link Between Worlds came out after Skyward Sword, and it has no references to Hylia in it. Like, it doesn't have the excuse that she hadn't been invented yet as a concept. I tell you what. The, the, the springs from Skyward Sword are in Breath of the they Wild. They sure are. Not to do geography, but I'm like... To do a little geography. As a treat. Do a little geography as a treat. <laughs> it like it just sort of doesn't make sense to me that you would have Hylia worship as its practice in Skyward Sword, and then it is completely lost as a religion. Doesn't exist. Nobody Hylia. That's a lake. What are you talking about? And then a bajillion years later, oh no, we we worship Hylia in the exact same way they did a bajillion years ago, even though that got forgotten. And you can do some like fuckery with timeline fusion stuff to maybe paper that over. But I think the shorter walk is just that Skyward Sword is right behind Breath of the Wild chronologically. Luke, I have to be perfectly honest with you. You're cooking. Yeah! <laughs> yeah! This is this is real shit. Hell yeah! Crystal, what are your thoughts? I'm open to this. I'm okay, opposed okay. to this. We're tidally locked. As I move in, Crystal is unsure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Monica, what about you? I am okay with this premise. That's a very okay, strong okay. endorsement from her. Sure. <laughs> At one point uh, during Tears of the Kingdom, y'all mentioned that some people are trying to put the backstory for Tears of the Kingdom after everything else. You're like, that's coward shit. I'm like, well, I'm doing that, but I think I think you'll find it's not coward shit no, when I when do it. No, when you do it, it is um, <laughs> indeed very courageous. <laughs> uh, which brings us to Tears of the Kingdom, which I don't have all that much for. Um, the main thing I've got is just the time stuff in this game is so confusing. <laughs> And, like, parts of it, again, much like Skyward Sword, parts of it feel 
like stable time loop stuff, Ganondorf recognizes the name Link before any time travel happens. But so much of that game doesn't seems at odds with how Breath of the Wild worked. Like, Misko is mentioned in Breath of the Wild as a guy that hid a treasure chest of rupees behind a waterfall. Misko in this game is a famous thief that everybody knows about for his legendary fashion sense. That that seems like history's different now, to me. Also, some of his caches are in spots that shrines used to be. How'd he get them there? The They didn't used to be there, but the upheaval happened. What, okay, describe to me what is the upheaval the then. Because up I think... I think the most basic idea in the game, if we take it at face value, is some islands appeared in the sky all of a sudden, and there was an earthquake that opened up some caves. Well, I mean, other pieces of... And also some, like, weird weather happened and shit Weird weather did happen. Um, Certain pieces of geography between the two games have actually changed. Um, Oh, have they? Yeah, there's little bits in the Nakluta region that are shaped differently. Yeah. Interesting. It, 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 I wouldn't be able to point it out to you unless I ran around and compared the maps. And of course, I'd be embarrassed as shit if I actually did a one-to-one comparison and found, oops, well, these are identical. And obviously you have the big, like, stone chunks that are jammed into mountains and stuff that they pretty clearly put there so that the ascendability would work. I guess the big know? question is, how much time do you think passes while Link is in the sky at the start of the game? How, how much time is there between I, I Zelda falling and Link returning to the surface. I don't think it's that much. I would give it like a month, mm. maybe. Not enough time for the like, story doesn't... of uh, the bandit king to become the costume king. I don't think so. I think most of the changes to the world of Hyrule happened before Tears of the Kingdom. Like, in the space between the... T- like, people are like, oh boy, yeah, you've been missing a while. Not, oh my god, it's our long-lost hero Link. Thank god you're finally back. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, we were starting to wonder where you yeah, went to. okay, that makes sense. Um, yeah, it, it's this weird thing because in broad strokes, obviously, Breath of the Wild had to have happened for Tears of the Kingdom to happen. Link wouldn't be here otherwise. He would have died a hundred years ago or whatever. Or he'd be a really old man or something. But there's a lot of little details where it just kind of seems like maybe Breath of the Wild didn't happen. Which is weird. No, I, I, I think that's perfectly uh, reasonable as a thing to think about. God yeah. knows we wrestled with it enough. It is, again... Somehow, even when making a direct sequel set a couple years later, Nintendo still seems to have goofed up the timeline. I will say your idea for this is the best resolution to these contradictions I've seen yet. Okay, yeah, I'm glad you said that. So my idea is that Zelda goes back in time when Ganondorf attacks them at the beginning of Tears, and, you know, somebody goes back in time, that forks the timeline. That is how it has worked in every other Zelda game. Um, except potentially Skyward Therefore, Sword. except potentially, I, I even have them splitting the timeline there. I just have them immediately merging. And the together. Oracle of Ages. Um, sure, that's an imaginary Triforce space time. Amateur's mask. Ones, obviously. <laughs> Again, the timeline splits. Highly just merges and them all it's together. Also, an imaginary Triforce space. Also, might be an imaginary Triforce space where time's not real. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't keep. Okay. Anyway, yeah, yeah, we'll take it. But I'm saying, you know. I'm saying Ocarina of Time, it definitely happens. Skyward Sword, under under the view of everyone here, definitely True. happens. So, so Tears of the Kingdom, it must happen. Which means that Zelda goes back in time, leaving a timeline where Ganondorf just kills Link on, in that cave. We, we finally got a canon di- downfall timeline. And um, then, in going back in time, she sets up events to make sure things don't play out that way again. Uh, and... 
creates a separate timeline, and Hylia, or Zelda, or Sophia, whoever, just sort of merges the timelines, like happens in Majora's Mask, like happens in Skyward Sword, according to me, like happens before Breath of the Wild, so that Link is still alive, but also the preparations to defeat Ganondorf are around for him to Wait, make use so of. Wait, if, so, if they just merge the timelines, so... Then yeah. why does the timeline have to split? Um, because that explains the inconsistencies, because it's a messy Okay, so merger. when does it get merged? Well, it's a timeline, so when is a weird concept, but, you know, somewhere before Link wakes up in, uh, you know, the Great Sky Island. And Link is unaware that things have been merged. Right, no one's really aware, other than the fact that people seem a little hazy on certain details of Breath of the Wild. Because how did it actually happen? Ah, I don't remember. I remember the broad strokes, that's all that's important. I'm not saying it's a good explanation. I'm just saying I don't think there is a good explanation. All right, fair enough. Um, and that that's the best I can one do. One interesting bit um, that I didn't see you including, um, and Crystal, I'm sure you were wondering where this was too. Or maybe you weren't. Maybe it was just me. I noticed, Luke, that you did not mention the baby. Yeah, uh, uh, to me, playing the game, it was very obvious that the baby is simply off screen, that they didn't want to model a fucking baby for one cutscene. And, uh, you know... I guess you're free to take it that there is no baby, but I certainly didn't read it that way at the for, time. For our listeners, Luke, the baby is referring to... The child of Sophia and Raru that would presumably go on to propagate the, the Hyrule royal bloodline and thereby making Zelda their direct ancestor. Okay, but not important enough... To me, it's enough that... To me, it's enough that Sophia says, like, oh, I sense both light and time in you. You must be both of our descendant. You're an off-screen baby theorist. <laughs> I'm an off-screen baby theorist. I didn't even really think about the baby until you started asking questions about it, and I was like, I don't know, it's off-screen. The OSP theorists, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to tell okay. you. That's, that's all I, I, mean, yeah. I, I, I. I do like that this idea does resolve one issue I could never really figure out an explanation for, which is the weird okay. cuts between Link being grabbed by the hand and awaking in the sky. Yeah, it's kind of an odd bit of editing for Zelda, huh? Yeah. Almost as if some sort of time fuckery was happening in that moment. Mm-hmm. How'd Link get up there? I'll... I mean, honestly, how did Link get up there? I also like that... Yes, it's weird because Raru doesn't know about the, the sky. He died before that. Right. But I like that yeah. this instance of Zelda adjusting the timeline is actually aligned with... Age of Calamity. Go on. Age yeah, of Calamity so? corrects uh, the errors of Breath of the Wild. Sure, that is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I noticed Age of Calamity isn't on your... Yeah, yes. it is. Oh, well, I mean, in this document. Oh, yeah, I mean, I didn't really have anything to say about it. I haven't played it. It, it's, yeah, it, it seems pretty definitive what it is doing on the timeline. I didn't have anything to okay. really say. <laughs> I'm not a Muso guy, so... Oh, well, you didn't play it? All right. I haven't played it. Mifa proposes to Link uh, in that one. I mean, that's cool. Good. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, that was my other thing, is that in the fixed timeline, um, uh, as highly emerged the timelines, that's where uh, Sidon's girlfriend came from. She just sort of wrote another Zora into reality so that Sidon wouldn't steal Zelda's boyfriend. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that's in character, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that is, that's all the games, which just sort of leaves us with the timeline itself, which I would love to walk Please you through. Please do. The blessed timeline. The blessed timeline. The opposite of the accursed timeline. Although I do have the accursed timeline on here. It's just very small. Wait, where uh, is it? So it starts, uh, it's, it's near the bottom after uh, Skyward Sword. 
Oh, in that triangle. okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So starting from the top left, we've got creation of the universe. This is our universe, the Big Bang. Although, you know, we're given to assume that the golden goddesses are involved in it in this version of the universe. Uh, then Earth is formed, humanity evolves, you know, the way it works in real life. Hyrule is founded, uh, somewhere in Europe, I don't know where. Um, presumably somewhere that is sort of hard to get to on foot, and maybe a little hard to access by sea even. It seems like a very secluded kingdom to me. Uh, then we get to the first Imprisoning War, which is the backstory of Link to the Past. Uh, then we have Link to the Past. So far, you know, pretty normal, right? We're fine. Yeah. Uh... Uh, no, but but yes, um, continue. I'm just now noticing. <laughs> you know, the part where I'm it's just now noticing the uh, slightly harder to see text that makes up the background of the timeline where you put the non-canonical games, and I'm tracing these lines with oh, my yeah, eyes. You, you mean the time shards of the Demon War? Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> we fucking better. <laughs> uh, all right, yeah. So then we have Link to the Past. Oracle Seasons and Oracle of Ages, uh, Link's Awakening. I definitely do see all three of those as the same Link. To me, it gives Link's Awakening a little more oomph if the nightmares are taking the shape of Link's nightmares as well as the Windfishes. And obviously, I've I've proposed an alternate resolution to why Zelda doesn't recognize Link, so we don't have to make those separate Links to make it make sense. Um, then we have the decline of Hyrule. Like I said before, Link to the Past Link becomes king. Rules justly, great time, uh, not good at raising, well, like 50% hit rate on raising kids, apparently. Raises a real shitty son who really just fucks everything up. Backstory of Zelda 2 happens, leads us into the Legend of Zelda. Ganon comes back here because, as I've said, um, a remnant of Ganon remained in the Triforce, corrupting it. And it's been slowly trying to grant his wish or, or empower him to conquer the world. And after, you know, centuries here, he has built up enough power to manifest again as a, a you know, as the Demon King Ganon. Um, you know, attacks Hyrule, Link stops it. Then, you know, Link has the Adventure of Link, where he saves Zelda II, which the game is named after, obviously. And then after Zelda II, we've got the Triforce together again for the first time since Link to the Past. Uh, you know... I, I am presuming maybe Zelda has it. The forces of Ganon are still around. You know, they were hunting Link to try to use his blood to revive Ganon uh, in Zelda 2. And they are, uh, you know, still making a mess of Hyrule. Link can only do so much in that regard. Uh, Hyrule is largely in ruin, aside from a few small towns here and there. Zelda makes a wish for a new... Basically a new start for the Hyrulean people. A, a new safe haven. And the Golden Goddesses answer by doing Nehru's uh, myth from Twilight... Or not Nehru's myth from Twilight Princess, creating the Sacred Realm. Not as just, like, the housing for the Triforce, but as a literal realm that people go to inhabit. The Triforce itself at this point, um, the way I've described it, is that it's no longer in its physical form as three golden triangles. It has been, like suffused into the land and air, uh, the essence of the sacred realm. Um, but, and this will be important for later, still that little remnant of Ganon in that Triforce. That's a problem. Not a problem yet, but you know, you got some dry rot under these floorboards. People migrate into the sacred realm. That's what this golden line here is. 
Uh, and we have this era of prosperity and equality. This is still Lanaru's creation myth, uh, you know, where everything is good until the Dark Interlopers show up. Uh, the light spirits banish them. Um, Cameron, I, we touched on it very briefly, but you mentioned Midna and Lanaru's stories not lining up. Lanaru says, one of them says that the light spirits banished the Dark Interlopers. One of them says that the goddesses did it. I think that's really splitting hairs. Like, if I think the example I use is that if the landlord uses the cops to kick me out of my apartment, I'm still going to say my landlord evicted me, and that doesn't mean I'm lying or, like, not understanding that what is, happened. That is indeed you know? what you wrote down, yes. I, I, I don't think that is a significant enough discrepancy to call either story into question. Um, and then here's where I'm starting to write a little bit of fan fiction after the Dark Inner Not this part with the fucking Oracle uh, games. <laughs> No, no, that part's obvious. <laughs> that part, you take one look at the Oracle games, you know that's what's happening. <laughs> Why doesn't anyone else understand? Uh, no, but this part, my suggestion is that Dark Interlopers have been defeated, banished to the Twilight Realm, but the descendants of the former Hyrule Royal family, I'm imagining there is no monarchy in this time, right? It's a very, like, idyllic, state of nature kind of deal going on at this point. And, but the descendants of the Royal family come to the light spirits and are like, guys, if this happens again, we have to be able to like, you know, defend ourselves. You know, the next time could be worse. Um, somehow they convince the light spirits to gather up the light of the Triforce from the like ether that it is in, like that everyone is submerged in, in this realm, concentrate it back into the form of the Triforce and lock it away in the temple of time to protect it, except it's not actually to protect it. Now the Hyrule Royal family are the only ones who have control of the Triforce. And they use that to conquer the Sacred Realm and turn it into Hyrule, much like the Dark Interlopers tried and failed to. Uh, the Light Spirits uh, have been bamboozled. They're angry, but the Hyrule family has both the Master Sword and the Triforce at this point. So, like, what are they going to do about it? What they're going to go do about it is pout. And that's why they're not in most of the games. I was going to bring that up, too. I forgot to mention that in the abstract. Why do you guys think the Light Spirits are only around for Twilight Princess? I think the... They turned into dragons. Okay, but that only accounts for a couple of the other games. Where are they in Ocarina? I think the regional minor deities are kind of always in flux. Because you could ask that about any of the other deities. So you're saying that, like, um... Lanayru is just another form of Lord Jabu Jabu. Yeah, Lanayru is historically contingent. That's fair. I, I think that's a reason. It'd be like take. asking, where's the Deku Tree um, in Twilight Princess? Sure. That, that's a fair point, too. Um, the Forest Temple's kind of just a dead Deku Tree, huh? Yeah. Actually, yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My dad. Um, right. My explanation for it is that after they were uh, so thoroughly, uh, like, beaten and humiliated by the Hyrule Royal Family, they just sort of retreated far beyond where any human could reach them. And uh, you know what? You idiots can fucking deal with it yourself. Uh, that leads into Minish Cap. Um, you know, the plot of Minish Cap happens, the backstory. This is the first time that Ganon, the force of evil that just sort of exists in this universe as, like, just a metaphysical constant now because of his presence in the Triforce, first tries to attack Hyrule with the monsters from Minish Cap's backstory. That doesn't work uh, Vati happens, blah, blah, blah. Four Swords happens. Um, where does the Four Sword go after that? Well, we'll get to where it comes from, but, uh, importantly, Four Swords Adventures is a 
uh, time shard of the Demon War, which the Four Sword gets diverted into and is lost to the ages as that time hey, hey, Luke. afterwards. We'll Luke. talk about that more later. What yeah, the hell up? does that mean? Huh? Yeah. We'll get to it. I, I, <laughs> don't worry about here. it. I don't know if you are going in order, <laughs> homeboy. Well, it's kind of a non-linear line, so I kind of have to make some editorial decisions on how I present oh, this. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, it's not always now, clear the direction in which to read this. I think that's I, fair. Um, I think it's easy to read as a, to a, as a chart. It's okay to read. Translating right. it into text is hard, and I don't envy you the text. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, after all that, we have Ocarina of Time. Um, we know the plot of Ocarina of Time. We know that it splits into the adult and child timeline. Adult timeline, let's start there. We get the Great Flood, we get Wind Waker, we get Phantom Hourglass. Now, Tetra and Link are searching for a new place to found Hyrule. And I know you're sort of, uh, complicating your theory here, maybe changing it. But at the time, you certainly feel like they're not finding a new land in Spirit Tracks. They are returning, intentionally or not, to their ancestral homeland from before the Hyrule of Wind Waker Yeah, I think, existed, that, I th- right? I think that's the still true. Kingdom. Okay. My argument holds this, but what I say is that in going to the realm of the Ocean King, they're sort of going into a separate space, and as a thank you for helping him with uh, the Bellum situation, the Ocean King sets them on their way to their ancestral homeland back here on Earth. So they refound the earthly Hyrule. Spirit Tracks happens. Uh, well, oh, and so the backstory of Spirit Tracks. <laughs> Maladus was actually the leader of the forces of Ganon that were left behind from Zelda 2. And the Spirits of Good fought with them, sealed them away. Most of the Spirits of Good either died or returned to the heavens. That's why we don't have them in the real world. And then Spirit Tracks, the last vestiges of magic are uh, destroyed because it's mostly evil or, you know, laid to rest. And uh, that's, um, w- you know, why here on Earth there's no magic no more because Spirit Tracks. Fascinating. <laughs> I just realized why that was all in a line. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that is the uh, the adult timeline or the, the natural flow of the adult timeline. <laughs> we'll get to it. On the child timeline, Majora's Mask. Uh, We have another imprisoning war where they fight Ganondorf in the backstory of Twilight Princess. Twilight Princess happens. As I've laid out already, my theory, Zelda then wishes to destroy the Triforce, which retroactively turns Hyrule into I like the little loop-de-loop you have here. uh, Yeah, I've got a little loop-de-loop where it goes over the whole timeline because it's not that... she doesn't turn Hyrule into low rule. She makes it so that Hyrule has always been low rule. Because Hyrule is defined by the Triforce. And if there's no Triforce, there cannot be a Hyrule. Um, and then because you now have this reality without a Triforce, which is sort of the heart of the whole universe, it's like a vacuum that is sucking things in. For instance, it is sucking in the adult timeline, creating another fork off of it, which is the uh, Hyrule of Link Between Worlds. Uh, the worlds in question are the adult and child timelines, actually. At the end of that game, you wish to restore the Triforce to low rule, but, you know, you all sort of scratch your heads at the idea, like, wait, can the Triforce create a Triforce? Can God make a rock so big he can't lift it? I don't know. This is weird. My contention is that it doesn't create another Triforce. It simply brings low rule back under the purview of Hyrule's Triforce, continuing the process of merger that is already going on. This is pretty clean. Because, 
Because, yeah, because the Triforce likes to grant wishes by following the path of least resistance. That's why Link wishes to kill Demise, the Triforce just drops a big rock on him. You know, he doesn't, like, death note Demise or anything. It's like, no, big rock, you got it, buddy. Um, so since this is already happening anyway, Triforce just sort of accelerates the process, and now the timelines are fusing together, um, and this is the point where the sort of background radiation of Ganon, which has been influencing events this entire time, uh, really strikes, and the full force of his, his fury and his malice come forward uh, in the form of the Demon War. It's led by Demise. The timeline is violently fusing together. It is a war to conquer time. Uh, and at this point, history becomes incoherent. I couldn't tell you what happens here because you look at all those background spirals. Those are all fragments of time. Shards of the Demon... Time shards of the Demon War. Uh, which are just sort of like... Um, Failed timelines that tried to branch off from this point and did not succeed. Um, generally, this is where I have stuffed all of the remakes and non-canon Zelda games. I put the Super Smash Brothers games in here mostly because I thought it'd be funny to imply that Wii U and 3DS Smash Bros. are different forks <laughs> off the Ooh. same timeline. You have Sonic Lost World on here? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's hard to tell at this point, but the uh, line going to Sonic Lost World makes a loop-de-loop. Because -loop. <laughs> it's Sonic... <laughs> You, you, Super uh, Mario RPG? Mario Kart 8? Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, I, if, if Link cameos in a game, I tried to put it on here. I might not have now gotten you've everything, got, but I, I You've sure got all tried. the CDI Zeldas as happening sequentially. I don't know if that's in keeping with their text. I think that's the order y'all said they go in in that episode, but I don't remember. For that positive. sounds very possible. Yeah. I, I also tried to make the positions of the time shards, um, significant in some way. Like, for instance, the shard of the cartoon is right next to the shard of the CDI games. Remakes, I tried to put pretty close to uh, their original game. Link's crossbow training is a time shard that goes next to Twilight Princess. And yeah, the only part where this really influences the timeline is what I've already alluded to, Four Swords Adventures, which is one time shard that intersects the timeline between Four Swords and Ocarina of Time. I am arguing that Four Swords Adventures is sort of a corrupted alternate form of the story of Ocarina of Time, which itself was also supposed to be a telling of the Imprisoning War. Uh, and the Four Sword is sort of shunted off into this alternate timeline used to defeat and seal away that form of Ganon. And then this Time Shard ends because it's not a mature, proper timeline and that the Four Sword is just lost to the ether. So you have, in a sense, not quite, because it is here on this timeline, but in a sense, you have relegated <sighs> right. Four Swords Adventures to non-canonicity. Yeah, because that game's stupid, and I don't like it. <laughs> I, I, I understand. I, I do understand. I, I, it's, it's an interesting choice. I, and I mean that in the yeah. most positive way you can use the word interesting. Sure, yes. <laughs> I, I'm just um, looking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's still more to go, but if you have any questions, I'm... Uh, Eventually, I, I will. I'm just kind of... I, I didn't notice this sure. when I looked at it before. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, the Demon War is raging on. Time is, is falling in on itself. Uh, is it the Zelda of Link Between Worlds or some other Zelda? You know, it's impossible to say because history is sort of a black box at this point because of uh, its, its incoherency. But some Zelda grasps the Triforce. And she wishes for the power to fight back the demons, led by Demise. But really, they're just a manifestation of Link, Link to the Past Ganon. Um, she wishes 
to become the personification of Hyrule. She wishes to become the goddess Hylia, at which point the backstory of Skyward Sword happens. Hylia had the opportunity to destroy Demise and eradicate Ganon from the universe, but it would have necessitated handing the Triforce off to a mortal, and as as I've said, she's not willing to do that. So this is the means by which Demise conquers time. Because of Hylia's own failure to act, she leaves Demise to become... And, and, you know, Demise as a proxy for Ganon to become... To continue to have always been the essence of evil in the universe that she... Um, Skyward Sword happens. Demise is defeated. But, you know, he kind of... He places that curse at the end. But my take is that that is less... um, What's the word I'm looking for? It's more descriptive than prescriptive. He's not saying, I am cursing you. He is saying, the curse is already here. That's a sick you know, way to read it. Gan- like, yeah, Hylia already failed to beat me in the only way that mattered. So sure, idiot, kill me. Ganon cannot be killed at this point. But Before you uh, get into the true double Mobius reach around part of the timeline, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. wanted to ask, Zelda becomes Hylia. Why didn't yeah. she wish to kill Demise? Uh... That's a good question. Let me give it a think. I think, um, hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a tough one. <laughs> you know, it's the kind of thing that you think about, uh, between episodes. Right, exactly, Maybe exactly. Maybe she just made a bad call, and her first wish was yeah. to become Hylia, and she locked herself out of being able to use the Triforce. She's like, I can't do what now? Well, I, I have Right, that's definitely part of it to me. Like, she didn't realize that she couldn't make wishes on the Triforce once she became Hylia. I have an answer to this. Okay. So the Triforce does not respond to verbal wishes. It responds to the wish that's inside your heart. That's true. That's true. And she wanted to be Hylia more than she wanted to kill Ganon. Right, right, right. That makes sense. Maybe that's... All right. Okay, okay. So, (laughs) or it could also be that that's just the form that the wish took. It's like she really did wish for Hyrule to be able to stop Demise, but... The form that it took, yeah. it's like, okay, you can do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right, and I guess I do also need to address these blue lines at this point, because these are the ways that Hylia influences the timeline. Because uh, the thing about the goddess of time is that she's the goddess of time. It doesn't matter that she doesn't exist early on. She can simply write her existence into the past. Um, we've actually talked about this a little bit. I think I have a version I like better than what I've diagrammed here, but I'll explain what I've got, which is that she has the Master Sword, So she sends it back into the founding of Hyrule back on Earth so that it's around for Link to the Past. And uh, the sword does not rest forever, like Link to the Past says. It's simply lost as Hylia plucks it out of time and moves it over to the second founding of Hyrule within the Sacred Realm so that it's around for Ocarina of Time. Uh, It is presumably just in the Temple of Time during Minish Cap and just that's not what that game is about, so don't worry about it. Um, and then once it sort of catches back up to her, she puts it back in place uh, post Skyward Swords. What was this alternate um, idea you Cameron, had? I for- uh, the alternate idea I had had is that she sent knowledge of how to forge the Master Sword back in time, and the wise men in the backstory of Link to the Past forged it like that game said they did. Which is maybe a little less confusing timeline-wise. It, the, the Master Sword's not jumping around time quite as much. So you, you, you have it set up. So that she sends back the Master Sword, and 
Yeah. This is another instance of time travel that does not create a separate timeline. I suppose that's true, but this is a god from outside of time moving something around. And also, yeah. Yeah, but, that's and, fair. And that's fair. She sends it back in time so that the Master Sword was always there until she removes it. Right. And then she sends it to where right. it was always there in a different timeline. Right. So, Luke, this is some truly complex shit you have woven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I remember DMing with you like, I'm not sure how I'm going to represent this visually. And I think I found something that no, mostly I think works. That the, the visual you know? actually communicates it a lot faster than words can, I feel. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then also, at the same time, she is sending the light force, uh, the power of the goddess, back in time to, uh, you know, we don't know that the Zelda of like Link to the Past or whatever has that in her. So I only went so far as to say it goes back to the second founding of Hyrule in the Sacred Realm. So that, you know, really all that matters is that, like, the ancestor of Spirit Track Zelda gets it. Because I think that's the only one where it's mentioned before Skyward Sword, you know? So when is the Master Sword lost between uh, Link Between Worlds and uh, Skyward Sword's story? So what I'm saying is that... uh, Oh, whoa. So what happens is that... Hold on, let me make sure I'm t- I'm not talking myself in a circle here. I mean, we're kind of <laughs> talking in circles by do. necessity. Right, so the Master Sword's in Link Between Worlds. I think it's just lost in the Demon War at that point. Okay. I believe that's what I went with. Or she... Mm, yes, yeah, because otherwise it just does a big loop around the timeline with... Uh, no, okay. I think what I've written here... <laughs> I apologize. Is that, okay... I identify with this feeling Master so much. Sword, Master Sword appears in the Sacred Realm, goes through everything up through Link Between Worlds. Hylia gets it back. Luke, I'm, I'm losing you on the Discord. In... Oh, oh, can you hear me? Crystal, Hello? can you hear me okay? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh. Hello? Oh, dear. Hello? Hold on. I'm going to exit the Discord call and come back in. Okay. Testing. Hello. I can hear you now. Great. Was it just me who was out of sorts? I, I uh, also heard I... Robot, but I can hear Luke yeah, fine, too. You can hear me now? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I, I can. can yes, me. we can both. Everybody can hear you. Okay. Right. I, I guess if Monica can hear me, you can also hear me by default. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, okay. Um, so the Master Sword appears at the beginning of the Sacred Realm, gets the Link Between Worlds. Hylia gets it, then puts it back in place in the future after Skyward Sword. After, after which it gets forged and placed in Skyward Sword where she plucks it to send it back in time. God. Does that track? Sweet Jesus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the the sword almost does a full circuit through time. It just skips Skyward okay. Sword. Yeah, that stands to reason. <laughs> it's all the same sword. I, I I see that you also oh. have it here, and I think you mentioned it. The light force is yeah. also sent back. I'm just imagining like the text version of this, where you write this out linearly, and you describe the right. light force going back to the second founding of Hyrule, and you're like... This isn't something that I have to describe to you because it already happened. You fool! The light force has always been here. What? Right. You know, it's the the Minish Cap describes Zelda's ancestor getting the light force or whatever. That's what that is. So to be clear, the sword is forged one time in Skyward Sword. Correct. Okay. Okay. That that is what I've got here. Uh, then Skyward Sword happens. We have the accursed timeline and prison timeline split that y'all describe. But at this point, uh, Zelda has both, like, all of her memories of Hylia and the Triforce. So she's like, no, 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 no. We're not doing this shit again. We are we are keeping one timeline, goddammit. And uh, just immediately sticks them back together, explaining all the weird discrepancies of time travel there. 
And then um, Hylia, incarnated as Zelda, uses the Triforce to remake the entire universe in her image as its uh, primary, oh, if no, not sole god. Again. So oh, this shit. poor sweet kid, this shoujo protagonist, yeah. remakes the entire yeah. universe in her image. You know, like in Death Note, when Light kind of erases his memories with the Death Note, and he becomes like a legitimate, like good person who's trying to help everybody. I don't know. Yes. And then he touches the Death Note, and he becomes evil again. You know, I, I think once Zelda regains all Hylia's memory, she's going to enact Hylia's plans. So you plans. think that this poor, sweet shojo protagonist who who only wants yeah. to conve- confess to her crush, right? When she regains her memories, when she gives that tearful apology, it's already not real. Right. I think it's real in a sense, but I think she, at that point, essentially has two, uh, you know, tracks of thought within her, right? And it might even be that when she's wishing to remake the universe in Hylia's image, in her mind, she's not doing an evil thing. This is a good thing. It will help people, you I know? See. Uh, but whatever the motivation, now we are in the version of the Sacred Realm that has been rebuilt by Hylia, for Hylia, of Hylia. Uh, Triforce Heroes happens here. Um, my interpretation is that that is that the uh, drab lands are basically like when you used to go to an old web page and you had like an under construction sign with like a gif of a guy digging. That that's what the drab lands are. Hylia is working yeah, on the new sense. Hyrule. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then uh, Hylia creates the Zonai to help uh, you know sort of guide and shepherd her new people. Um, you know, no mistake. They you know Raru ends up marrying a priestess of Hylia. Um, and then we're into, like, you know, everything. I think we've kind of talked about everything that's happened at that point. Uh, backstory of Tears of the Kingdom happens. Um, you know, we have the uh, imprisoning war against Ganondorf from Tears of the Kingdom. Then sometime later, we get the Great Calamity. Um, then Link dies. Zelda goes back in time. Different version of the same things happen. Hylia weaves the timelines together, and I really flex the full extent of my Photoshop abilities to make the timelines look like the dragons from it's Tears It's true, of the you did. <laughs> this looks really yeah. cool. And also, you know, Age of Calamity happens off on the it side. It does happen. Terrico, Terrico does change history. Why doesn't Hylia weave that timeline in? You know, that's a good question. Um, you know, well, maybe we'll have to see what happens in Skyward Sword 4 Breath of the Wild but 3. It's not yeah. going to be a Breath of the Wild 3. There obviously <laughs> is. <laughs> I, I could kind of see it going either way. Hmm. Well, it's true that eventually this argument will be solved. I like that this last bit of the timeline looks like a basketball court. It does kind of look like a basketball court. And I especially like that after Zelda changes the universe to be made in her image, there's instantly another timeline split. Yeah, she really wanted the one timeline, and it's just not... She's trying to keep it together, but more of these damn things keep sprouting out. Zelda knits, and you can try to weave things together, but little bits kind of pop out. Zelda does knit. You'll always have threads Uh fray. (laughs) Um... Oh, one point I was going to bring up with regard to setting spirit tracks back on Earth. I think that's part of why there's barely any um, spirit track stuff you can get in the Switch games. There's the Phantom Armor, and I think that's it. I mean, that's true. You know, most of that stuff is different. It's it's back on Earth. It's back on our Earth. R- right. I mean, not literally our no, Earth. No, it's our but, Earth. You know. I, hold on. I'm scrolling up. Um, Earth's history to present day is on a direct line from spirit tracks. No, sure, but I'm saying, like, even if you took, what's a what's a very, like, low-concept movie? Like, uh, if you take As Good As It Gets starring Jack Nicholson, that doesn't take place on our Earth. That takes place on the Earth of As Good As It Gets. Hmm. 
<laughs> I, I have a question. Sure. When, on the line that says the timelines violently merge. Yeah. Um, that line begins halfway between Spirit Tracks and Earth's history to present day. Yeah, I was really going back and forth on whether to draw that part of the line in. I ultimately did decide to because of the phantom armor. I needed to account for it somehow. Um, you know, that that stuff has to be part of that past. Um, but yeah, we're, we're an offshoot of the timeline that didn't violently merge with, uh, you know, everything else that happened in Zelda. Okay. okay. So we are in the worst possible timeline. <laughs> right, where Zelda didn't happen. <laughs> I mean, we got linked to the past. We got Zelda too. Uh... My... Uh, question is, so yeah, Ganon both survived coming out in Zelda One from the uh, mm-hmm. the the the, yeah. the Triforce piece, but then also stayed right. in to cause issues in the new the second version of the the universe. And I right so and then yeah, go ahead. also continues on into the the Hylia universe. Right. So the way I'm conceptualizing it is that basically after after the third oracle game gets canceled uh there's basically no way to fully get rid of ganon the triforce will always preserve a little bit of him in an effort to grant the first wish that was ever made on wow it. it's like the it's like the accursed timelines wish yeah yeah except ganon's hiding inside of it right where so when she's remaking the universe in her image where is the triforce in yeah, yeah. this Where's the Triforce in Breath I mean, of the Wild? I mean, she has it. Right. Okay. But does that mean that she's carrying <laughs> around Ganon with her? Uh, but yeah. the Calamity is also beneath the Earth. Right. How many Ganon... So you're saying there's three Ganons during Breath of the Wild? Uh, right. There'd be Demon King Ganondorf, Link to the Past Ganon, and the Calamity Ganon. Which me- The Calamity Ganon might be a manifestation of Link to the Past Ganon. Although I'd be more like you've talked about, maybe the Blood Moon is a distinct thing from both of those things. But if it's a if it's a manifestation of Link to the Past Ganon, does that mean that when yeah. Link to the Past Ganon manifests out of the Triforce, that he's not inside the Triforce? I hmm. Uh, j- just so make sure I'm answering your question right. What in in like what instance? Okay, are you referring let, to? let's just say in Breath of the Wild, the Calamity. Yeah. Okay, you say yeah. that. You were talking about it as a separate thing, but then you go back and you think maybe it's right. not a separate thing. Maybe it's a manifestation of a link to the past Ganondorf. Right. But right. that would still mean that there's three Ganons. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes, 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 yes. I see this. The way I'm trying to understand this is Ganon has effectively been like if you touched the surface of a CD. That fingerprint's on there. Right, his fingerprint is never getting off that CD. And yeah. so things just come out of that fingerprint sometimes. Yes, that is that is very much how I see I it. Link had the Windex back in the Oracle games, and he didn't use it. Oh, fool that he was! Because so, because Miyamoto canceled the third Windex. Right, exactly. I don't think that was a Miyamoto decision. I have no idea. It was probably some high mucky muck at Capcom. It was. It would be pretty complex yeah. to do three linked games. Yes. I can definitely see. Where I feel that, like I read yeah. a Hyrule interviews at one point where Miyamoto looked at what's going on with the three games and went, "Guys, I don't know if you realize the scope of what you're doing here." Right. Because it did get. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if it was purely a technical thing or if it was like, "Yeah, we don't want to invest that much money in it," or or we don't want to dilute the sales of them that much. I have no idea what the ultimate decision for that was. Well, Luke, I gotta give you 
a few things. Uh, one, it is clear that a lot of very hard work went into this. Yeah. Uh-huh. Second, this is probably like for the level of consistency that it has, this is probably the most complex Zelda timeline I've ever seen. It is. Hell yeah. <laughs> with, with all affection. This is definitely a post-Homestuck timeline. This is the ravings of a madman, yeah. <laughs> it's one of the it's one of the better fan timelines. I, I would easily. I would agree. Yeah. It's better than the official timeline. Oh, easily. Yeah. The official timeline yeah. says that Majora's Mask is just a dream. <laughs> right. Well, we're maybe getting to the point where it's not much more than a dream. Ah. It's the dream of the Triforce. <laughs> I, okay, so the What's the difference between the sacred realm as created by the Triforce versus just having those yeah. take place inside of the Triforce itself? Um, I really waffled back and forth on whether there was a difference. I, I think if you really looked at what I wrote in the timeline description, I might have not fully landed on one or the other because I think there's not a strong distinction. So is it possible that the entire series after that point takes place inside the Triforce inclusive of Skyward Sword? I do think that's possible. I yes. see. We just go deeper. Just deeper and deeper. It's like Inception. Oh yeah. Jesus! Right. Yeah, we're in, we're Inceptioning into multiple layers of universe. Multiple Triforces. Okay, well, that's a hell of a timeline. It's <laughs> a hell of a timeline. <laughs> Thank you for walking us through your timeline. Great. I I'm so happy I could be here to convince you all that I'm right about everything. That is definitely what happened. <laughs> That's yeah, what you said, I'm, right? I'm, you've definitely you've definitely introduced some pretty interesting ideas that are making me ponder. Ed, mm, well, that's all I can ever editor, really ask for. Let us know if we said that Luke is right about everything. <laughs> I, I don't think we need to fact check that. I'm pretty sure I remember yeah, hearing right. it. This this gets <laughs> the creative juices going for the the timeline discussions. Yeah, because we have to do some serious yeah. amendments and mm-hmm. maintenance yeah, to the accursed. Yeah regardless yeah there's there's work that needs done and we're also thinking about setting up like alternate timelines Mm. so we aren't just married to one timeline that we need to agree on communally oh i see you each have your own sort of timeline potluck you have kind of your individual ones that then you have to reach consensus to yeah yeah, but for for now i'm thinking like could we just do a release order timeline does link to the past have to come before the legend of zelda my timeline gets sort of close to release order. <laughs> it doesn't quite get there, but it's closer than I realized I was making it. Depending on how you read this line, yes. It is almost, it, there's a couple crossovers, but the left timeline is almost entirely Miyamoto Zeldas. The right timeline is almost entirely Onuma Zeldas, and the bottom one is almost entirely Fujimiyashi Zeldas. It really says something that that's, each author leaves their footprint or, or thumbprint so clearly that it makes shifting the timeline to, to meet it makes so much sense. Yeah. Uh, you've captured right. a lot of that in this timeline. So is is Hilda the actual Twilight Princess Zelda just retroactively changed? I think the timeline is fuzzy enough that I'm not sure if she is literally the same person or like the descendant or ancestor <laughs> of that. Could be character. any of them. Right. Luke... Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on and explaining the blessed timeline to us. You're so welcome. Thank you for indulging me for three hours. It was a pleasure. I could easily go another three hours if I didn't have a hard out and also didn't respect your time. This has been fun. Would you like to t- tell people where they can find you? Sure. You can find me on Twitter at SSJ Speed Racer. You can find other shows that I do on AudioEntropy.com. 
primarily Idol on Playtest, a show Crystal's also on. Um, depending on when this episode comes out, uh, you can listen to some or maybe all of the episodes of Idol on Oyster, a miniseries that Crystal GM'd. Normally, though, I'm the one that GMs it. Uh, our usual show is uh, right now is Idol on Ska and Idol on Disco. Um, if you're interested in the idea of a mortal that wishes themselves the power to basically be the writer of reality, maybe Idol on Disco and Ska is a show you might like. You know, I didn't put maybe, that together until you just said it. That you Maybe perhaps my timeline <laughs> theorizing was influenced by the story I was writing in parallel. I could never have imagined. <laughs> uh, you can also find me on uh, Totally Reprise, a show where historically it has been a TV rewatch podcast, but because of the uh, SAG strike, we've had to branch out a bit. And we might keep branching out. We're not totally sure. Um, as of this recording, we are doing... Uh, I live on through this reprise, a podcast about Metal Gear Solid 2. Jesus God, a Hulk podcast for NGS 2. Doing, I think, four episodes on it. Uh, maybe the worst Metal Gear to do is a one-shot, but, uh, you know, it's the one I could convince... <laughs> I'm only getting one shot at this, so... Yeah. 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 Crystal, Crystal, where can we find you online? You can find me at Arcane Crystal on Twitter, at Arcane Crystal on Patreon, where you can listen to this one week early. You can find me on Eidolon Playtest. And you can also find me and Luke on Show Me the Batcave. That's true. Our superhero movie podcast that was on hiatus because of the strike. But we, I guess we're obligated to start back up again. We do need to finally watch Joss Whedon's Justice League. I watched that like a day before the strike was announced. <laughs> right, because then I had to cancel because I'm, if it hasn't been abundantly clear in the last three hours, I have mental health problems. <laughs> So I simply just couldn't record one day, and then the next time we were going to record, the strike happened. Oh, I remember your letterbox review of that movie, Crystal. It wasn't very positive. No, it's not a very you good You might film. have to watch it again for this new episode. Yeah, I, yes, I will have to watch it again so it's no. fresh in my mind. Oh, yeah. terrible, terrible. <laughs> Awful film. Yeah, I've never seen it. I'm not looking you forward shouldn't. to it. It's, um, it's something else. Utterly artless, and it makes... Um, Crystal upholding the Snyder version of the movie. Really interesting to me. It's I mean, to to one degree, it sounds like there's nowhere to go but up, but there's really nowhere to go but up. And of course, you can find me on Twitter at CamWriter. Don't know how much longer that's going to be the case. Uh, tweeting has fallen off. I just retweet fan art now because that's really all that it's good for. And rabbits. And rabbits. I do love rabbits. Would you like to hear a blessed joke? Yes. Dangerously so, but yes. What do you call a blessed blanket? What do we call it? What? Holy sheet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, because I'm here, you all are basically doing a favor to me in recording this episode. I did feel like it would have been rude not to bring my own. Yay! Oh, please. Okay. okay. Uh, did you know that um, Darunia, Sage of Fire, really likes uh, horror movies? No. I didn't know. He does. He's really into stuff, kind of torture porn stuff like Saw. He's even into like hospital. That guy just loves to get his gore on. No. <laughs> <coughs> Killed Cameron. At last I've slain Cameron. <laughs> oh, that's okay. That's that's the kind of joke. <coughs> All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Bye.